You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hey, Phantomaniacs, I can't believe it. I'm sure you can't believe it either, but we're 14 episodes into the Needless Things podcast. Uh, I've had a couple of episodes that didn't happen. Uh, I've got one episode that's going to be happening at a time I didn't expect it to, which will be episode 15. But uh, for right now, it's time to talk Doctor Who. This Saturday, tomorrow as a matter of fact, is the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, which is my favorite television franchise ever, perhaps my favorite franchise ever. I don't want to look too closely at that because I don't want to make anybody feel bad, Star Wars and G.I. Joe. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to get some cool people together. I wanted to not do the standard Earth Station Who thing, uh, which I missed the last episode of that anyway because... The work schedule uh, messed me up on that one. But I've been wanting to have Miss Lady Flex, uh, a.k.a. Dana, back on the show ever since I did the Sexoflex episode. I, I've been trying to get her on Earth Station Who, and uh, now now she's back here tonight. Uh, I wanted to have Beth on for a long time. I had her on one Earth Station Who, and I've been wanting to have her on Needless Things to talk about nerd stuff because she's a, a dear friend of mine. And she is uh, one of the first ladies whose critical opinion of nerd stuff I really respected and, and still respect to this day. Uh, she's a real smart lady. She's a good talker, and she has very interesting opinions and outlooks on things. Uh, so I'm very excited that she's on. And, of course, Mr. Bo Brown, who is uh, my co-host when he can be or when it's deemed necessary, like when it's just one-on-one, -on -one, you know, me and somebody else, and maybe we don't want two people ganging up on some poor innocent person. But uh, when we're having a roundtable, I want Bo here. And uh, Bo will also be back at the end of the year for our big match. Masters of the Universe Roundup. Uh, things are, are changing around here. Uh, Malto Call Recorder is not going to work with Skype anymore. I'm sure somebody will figure a workaround, but I'm not going to rely on that. I, I'm a technological idiot. I can't handle things. I, I don't know. Like it's it's purely force of will that gets this thing together. Once or twice a month to make it happen. I, I don't really understand what's going on here. I just press some buttons and when it's done, I'm like, holy fuck, it, it worked. Like, that's my reaction every single time any piece of technology does what I'd like it to do is, holy fuck, it worked. Uh, so in December, I'm not going to be able to record Skype calls anymore. And, and let's be honest, the quality of these podcasts has not been great anyway. There's always echo in this episode. There's like this weird pre-echo that I don't understand at all and, and certainly don't know what to do with it. So from here on out, uh, I am currently planning on doing these live. No, not I'm not going to broadcast them live, and, and I'm not necessarily expecting an audience but I want everybody in the same room. I'm going to use my little voice recorder, which gives the best quality sound of any of these that I've done. 
and it's it's going to be different. Uh, and I also might even have a, a better studio style setup. Uh, I'm talking to Beth's husband Terry, who is a bit of an audiophile and knows his way around things that record and make things sound better and buttons and stuff like that. Uh, so maybe we'll do something like that. I don't know, but I I don't. I didn't like the Skype method in the first place. It's convenient because everybody can, you know, sit around naked and nobody's any the wiser. Uh, but I, I'm telling you, it, it just, I'm not happy with the sound. I don't like it. Uh, so I want to sit down with people and I feel like the conversation is better and more organic. But that's enough bitching about Skype and the method of doing podcasts. We're here to talk about Doctor Who and this one kind of goes on a little bit, but it goes on a little bit because we were having so much fun. I think everything that was said was interesting. I think you're going to enjoy it all. So without further ado, uh, let me go ahead and do my thing. You can download the Needless Things podcast from iTunes and from Stitcher. Uh, you can find the site that I write articles for five times a week, sometimes more, at needlessthingssite.com. You can find me on Facebook as L Phantasmus with a PH because it won't let me call myself Phantom Troublemaker. And the Phantom Troublemaker page is worthless because, like uh, Skype, it, it doesn't work like I want it to. And you can find me this Saturday, tomorrow, at the Holiday Inn Select in Dunwoody, uh, celebrating with the TimeGate folks, with the Doctor Who, the Forgotten Doctor folks. Uh, we are hopefully going to be watching the 50th anniversary special. Uh, and if that doesn't pan out, we're still going to be out there after it's done to record a live Earth Station Who about it and then to party all night. Uh, but here we go. Beth Van Dusen, Dana Swanson, Mr. Bo Brown, and myself, Phantom Troublemaker, talking Doctor Who. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Phantomaniacs, and welcome to the 14th Needless Things podcast. I've got a very special crew with me this evening. Uh, we're all getting liquored up, and we're going to talk about Doctor Who, because Saturday is the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, uh, and, and for me personally, the 30th anniversary, because 83 was when I first saw it. But I just wanted to sit down uh, outside of my regular Earth Station Who crew and talk to some cool people about my favorite show ever, uh, my favorite franchise. So that's what we're going to do, and you're going to be lucky enough to hear it all. So with me this evening are my regular occasional co-host, Mr. Bo Brown. Greetings. How are you doing tonight, Bo? I'm great. Are you ready to talk about some Doctor Who, your personal experiences with Doctor Who, and your adventures as the Doctor? More than one Doctor. Yes. 
yeah. Awesome. Got a couple of costumes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm absolutely ready. Uh, also joining us are my longtime friend and nerd associate, uh, Beth Van Dusen, who contributes to the site regularly as well. Beth, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. And I didn't know, uh, e- even though we've known each other for so many years and cohabitated at one point with far too many other people, uh, I don't think I knew until a couple of years ago that you were a Doctor Who fan. I kind of kind of tried to keep it closet nerdy for a while, but then it, it just couldn't stay hidden anymore. Well, it was it was cannot be contained. Well, it was when there really wasn't anything out there, and there was kind of you know even though you know in your heart you remembered it from your childhood, there really wasn't anything Doctor Who to talk about. So it kind of just didn't. Come that is up. true. It just wasn't present like it is now. And uh, speaking of present. Who else is with us but Miss Dana Swanson? How are you doing tonight? Oh, hello. I'm doing just famously phantom, um, just acing all over the place. And Bo, for a second, I thought Bo was going to be a doctor when he introduced him like that. I was like, oh, my gosh, he's the next doctor. But <laughs> you're talking about his adventures. Spoilers. Like, what do I not know? Um, yes, the next doctor will be a puppet. Sure. <laughs> Perfect. There is a doctor puppet. There's He's lots out of there. Puppets. Yeah, I'm sure there, well, there were 12 Doctor, or, uh, yep. I guess 11, 11 Doctor puppets at Dragon Con, uh, two years ago. Yep. That was wild. Everybody ignores the, uh, animated Doctor. Let us never speak of him. Ooh. Yeah. Poor Just, guy. <laughs> poor guy. So bad for him. Well, not, o- not only the, the animation they did of the modern Doctor, but the fill-in stuff they're doing for the lost episodes. That, that's some of the creepiest animation I've ever seen outside of, uh, Outside of some, you're more adult oriented anime. Oh, what, so what year is that stuff? Is the, or the fill-in? The missing that, Troughton. Troughton. It's from like the, the late 60s, mid to late 60s, I guess, and it's those episodes that the BBC, uh, destroyed all their or lost or, or they, they, I mean, they never had any plans for releasing them to the general public, like as, as, oh. VH, you know, there was no VHS rental or anything. So it's BBC's Black Cauldron. They're just like, let us never speak of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Please, no. well, no, they taped over them. They were just like, oh, well, we need these tapes. Tapes are expensive. Well, yeah, that's true. So they, we don't need these old episodes of Doctor Who. They just taped over the tapes. They didn't think. Yeah, about it wasn't it. even shame. They just didn't care. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't think. Oh, somebody will want to watch this in the future. They not even on the map back then. You know. But uh, yeah, they never imagined it, so would, it would last like it did, or there'd be any demand. And now they're finding a, a lot of them, but. The ones they haven't found, they've put animatics in, uh, in place of the missing episodes. So you'll have two 22 minute episodes of, you know, Patrick Troughton or William Hartnell wandering around or doing whatever they do. And then there's this mm-hmm. weird, uh, this animation that's almost like that early, like in Pulp Fiction, you know, the little Eskimo cartoon, excuse me, Inuit cartoon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> with just the moving mouth it's almost kind of like that it's really weird and creepy and i i like it for that but i don't want that instead of yeah you don't want to see somebody's acid trip for the entire time no. like just for a little bit like you can trip a little because when we're talking about traveling like you can't not bring up hallucinogens but you know i digress particularly, i digress no no particularly with doctor <laughs> who i mean look at those opening titles i mean that's oh yeah that's come on that's fodder. Yeah, time vortex, whatever, guys. Yeah, that's somebody <laughs> pressing into like the back of their eyeballs. They're like, "What do I see?" Okay, oh they like a uh, call box, and it's just like going through like I don't know, like a wormhole. Like that's what I see. Like that's that's uh, that's the true origin of Doctor and, Who. And Colin Baker's head. 
mm-hmm. and, his, and his coat for that matter. Yeah, yeah you can't tell me oh. the, you can't tell me they weren't high when they designed the Sixth Doctor's costume. All right, everybody. Uh, what we're gonna do? We're gonna go in like Grandma's fabric scraps. We're gonna sew them all together, and then what? Gotta fix it with the cat pen. <laughs> yeah, Done. it really ties it all together. They they, uh-huh. they found the uh, the leftovers at Joanne's and just yeah. went, went for it. <laughs> Well, yeah, somebody was excited about the sail bin when, uh, and he was like, I really, I want it to be dark. And they're like, the darkest thing in the world is crafting. So we're going to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, we, we've kind of got our introductions done. Uh, let's go around and each, uh, name our doctor, uh, for, for those listeners that may not be entirely familiar. Cause I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of non nerds listening to this show. Uh, everybody kind of has their doctor, the one that either introduced them to the show or is their favorite doctor for whatever reason. And, uh, that's what we're going to do now. Uh, Bo, who, who is your doctor and oh, why? I, I'm a terrible person to start. Um, I, I, the, the current doctor is my favorite doctor and I don't mean 11. I just mean whoever's on TV now mm. is my favorite. Okay. I, I was... With the exception of nine, nine, I was, I never really got totally behind it. Um, I, I, I'm much more of like a concept, and you know this from my master's reviews. I'm, I'm more of like, I love the, the, the universe and the mythology sometimes more than the actual characters and details. Um, so like when, when 10 was there, 10 was my favorite. And then as soon as 11 hit the scene, I was like, oh no, he's the best, you know? Um, and then my previous experience with Doctor Who had been just like a smattering of, uh, random episodes. So I had seen a little bit of Tom Baker. I had seen a little bit of, uh, Davidson. I had seen a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, but I hadn't, I, 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 I can't answer the question. I can't say who's my doctor. That's not a bad um, way to be though. It means you're happy. I'm just excited. I, yeah, exactly. I'm I'm just excited and happy about who you know. I I love the I love different elements of each doctor. There are different personality quirks and traits that that make each doctor shine to me. You know, um, like I don't have I don't have a necessarily a favorite doctor, but I do have a favorite companion doctor duo. So like Ooh. seven and seven and ace hands down is my favorite duo um, because of their dynamic and, and the way that Ace was around him and wasn't all moony eyed but was still was but also wasn't the screaming girl you know and it's not um, a bad hand for blackjack if you're at 18 with 7 and Ace like that's yeah, not there too you go. bad you're, you're in a good spot. <laughs> um, so but, but I wouldn't say that 7 is my favorite doctor but of all the doctor companion duos, they are my sure. favorite. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's, it's not a, it's not a easy question for me to answer. And, and I, and as somebody who had an amazing amount of fun, um, you know, dressing up as 10, uh, for years, um, I, I still wouldn't even call him my favorite. Um, you know, and then I, I dressed up as 11 as soon as those pictures, as soon as those pictures hit the internet. Right. Before the show even started, I was, you know, I was dressing up in the costume. So, um, I didn't even know, I didn't know anything about so, it. So, so rather really. than having a favorite doctor, you choose to be happy. Yes. <laughs> Dana, who, who how, how did you come into Doctor Who and, and who's your doctor? 
well, I work, uh, I work in television. Um, I work at Adult Swim and a lot of the people there have just really awesome taste in, in different shows. And we'd always talk about different shows and sort of see what other people are watching, whether it was documentaries or series. And I had just finished with, um, with the whole like Buffy Angel universe. Cause I'd never, I didn't do that when I was, I was like in the 2000s, early 2000s. I didn't do it. So I had put it off. And when I was done, I had this big emptiness yeah. and, uh, I had more than one person, um, tell me to watch it. And, uh, Kim, uh, my friend Kim in particular, who programs everything, she was like, just, just watch Dr. Who, just do it. Just stick with it. The new one, you just have to do it. And so I saw the first episode with the first like Eccleston, uh, let's call it super mannequin time. Um, <laughs> I saw super mannequin hands and I just was like, I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't like, what the, what are you talking about? And I, I put it off and then, I got the like the nudge again like no you have to you have to watch it just get through it power through and I did and I fell in love and uh I fell in love with Rose more than anything was just watching her and sort of like being able to see see what she was going through and see her experience of going from 9 to 10 and then like that hooked me and then seeing her and and 10, like how they interacted and like her chemistry with David Tennant and how that came to grow. And then by the time I saw Doomsday, I was like, this is just the best. This has to be one of the best series I've ever seen. Like this is, it, I was hooked by that point. It was so Well, and I think Rose was a, um, a very important character because I think she hooked a lot of people like that. I, th- I think she was very identifiable because you had Eccleston as the weirdo alien mm-hmm. dude. Who is yeah. interesting, but who, who, uh, you know, as the doctor always is, isn't necessarily identifiable. But I think Rose was. Yeah, it's yeah, not relatable. I, I think Rose was key mm-hmm. to, to it right. being what it is now. Right. Well, so it was I, pretty intense too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, she's intense. That's definitely a word I would use to describe her. Absolutely. And she, like, she's, her character changes so much, even in the first season and the second season. Like, she's, you are, you're able to see that character growth with her. And with the doctors, it's always, oh, well, I grow and maybe I reconcile my past a little bit and then I regenerate. And the anger changes and the emotions change. But, um, seeing her grow was honestly what hooked me the most coming off of, um, Buffy and Angel. I will say that, uh, you know, I, I think my doctor is 10. I had to really think about it because I love 11. I, but I love, I love 11 and the ponds and river. And that's like, I love that so much. They're a package deal. Yeah. I love them as a package deal. Like that was just, it's, it's a good romp and it's, be, like all of their storylines are interesting and fun, but um, I would say watching Ten grow and change has been that. I had to really, really think about it and go, you know what? I I liked his arc better. Well, and I think there's an interesting point there because I feel like, and and I feel like it's more the showrunner than it is the actor, but uh-huh. the way that Ten was handled, I feel like. He can be by himself. He can be with lots of different people. He can be in lots of different situations. And he is always the center of the universe. Whereas Eleven, uh, Matt Smith has, his stories have been much more ensemble 
pieces mm-hmm. where he's yeah. not really the focus anymore. And that's one of the things that I've, I've kind of not liked a whole lot about his run. Uh, I really wish we were getting to see him with a different showrunner to see what would happen. But I, I feel like I Ten, in not not actor wise, but in the way that he was handled, is a much stronger Doctor. Absolutely. Well, I, I mean, I think that's just the nature. You know, you say the showrunner. I mean, that's the nature of the stories that we saw. We had all the specials with Ten, where he wasn't with his companions. We did see him alone. We saw him with way more companions. With mm-hmm. Wilf and, and with Donna and with Martha, we, we saw him have way more individual companions who weren't all connected. Whereas with Eleven, with the exception of Clara, you know, it's been the pawns. Yeah. You know, I mean, because they're, it's all one big family, even with River and, you know. Um, so I think that I, I would have loved to have seen Eleven more on his own or, and with maybe some, some different companions. Because Clara, Clara to me feels a little bit like a rehash of of Amy, but without a family. That's interesting. I think of Clara as this. They they wanted to hype up the cleverness. Um, so I mean, Amy Amy's smart, but she's so tied into the fact that uh, the Doctor has been in her timeline yeah. previously, and has it, it left such an indelible stain on her memory. That she couldn't just be Amy. Like the doctor was part of her. And with yeah. Clara, she's coming into the doctor fresh. Um, well, but not really because every life that Clara has lived has been solely based around the doctor. But I don't, I mean, I don't think that, I don't think that that came into play in the timeline that we currently see companion Clara in. Like when we see Victorian Clara and we see, um, Oswin, she's already split in the timeline. But when we see, I guess, Nanny Clara, like modern day Clara, she hasn't, she's no idea right. who he this is, is yet. Right, this is prior she's coming to when to she dove in. True. So, this is, this, so is, this is, this is like her, her genesis. This is the first time that she truly meets him, even though he's met her multiple but times. It, but it's still, it's still the same. The companion is a mystery. Mm-hmm. It's, why does Amy, why does Amy not have a past? Where's all of Amy's parents? Why is there a hole in the wall? It's that mm-hmm. it, they have too similar of an origin story. Ah, in yeah. that, in that Eleven's going, there's something weird about this girl. I'm going to take mm-hmm. her with me until I can figure it out. That's true. And it's, it's a little too similar for me. Um, I mean, I love them both. I, I love Amy. I love Amy. I love, 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 love Rory. Um, oh. and Clara, poor Clara. Yeah, poor Jarred. Rory. Oh. <laughs> Rory, he's so good. I thought that you couldn't beat Mickey because I loved I loved Mickey's arc of Mickey, you know, Mickey the idiot to Mickey defender of the universe. Well, he was so loathsome in the beginning, but, you just didn't even want him on the show. Oh, uh, well, yeah. And then by the end, you, you're just like, yeah, fuck you yeah, Mickey. Of the guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, he's as annoying as Jackie yeah. at first. Yeah, well, and yeah. even Jackie. Yeah. And I hate even Jackie. Jackie, though, by the end, I'm not saying I wanted her around, but I got her point of view and I got her place in their little family universe type thing, and I didn't like I yeah. I, I appreciated her character by the end, and that's right. that was a big difference I think in in the Russell T Davies stuff is his characters did grow and and did have arcs and yet didn't take away from the Doctor's spectacularness, uh, if that's a word mm-hmm. I can use, and. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think oh, oh. Matt Smith's doctor the the story's been about really everybody but him. River comes in and kicks him around and and 
you know, talks down to him and makes him look like an idiot every step of the way. Uh, the ponds, it's, it's essentially their show when they're around, uh, which mm -hmm. I, you know, I loved them. And it's a lot of this is coming to me in retrospect as I go back and watch them again. And I'm like, wow, this is a really weird way to treat the star of the show. Yeah, that's to make Moffitt. him the sounding board. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's strange yeah. that he's no longer the, the unstoppable, even though they say it all the time, he's not that larger than life unstoppable force anymore, which I'm hoping we're going to get that back, uh, Saturday. But before we get any further, Beth, Beth, yeah, you're a doctor. Um, yeah, how did, how did you get into <laughs> Doctor Who? And, uh, what, what's, what's your story? Um, what was really tough for me to pick my favorite because my first doctor was Tom Baker and I started watching because my dad was really into it and he of course started watching with my mom when they got married and then once I came along the TV was on and you know when you're four or five years old you don't get a big say in what we watch at night on TV. <laughs> so it was just on and it's just my, I don't even remember the first episode I saw because I was so young when I saw it, but I really clearly remember Tom Baker from when I was a child. And I think what I loved about it as a little kid was the the silly monsters and the running around and and everybody gets a jelly baby and it was fun for a little kid to watch. And then as I grew up with Doctor Who, I think what I really when I really started understanding what the hell was going on was more during the Davison years. So I I don't know if Tom Baker's my favorite or if Peter Davison is my favorite just because they were at such different times in my life and they they both like you know Tom Baker was the introduction but Peter Davison was more during right, my formative years, when I was actually old enough to decide, like, yeah. I like this show. <laughs> so I don't know, I'm torn. Even though Peter Davison wasn't necessarily the most compelling doctor, and certainly didn't have the most compelling companions, <laughs> I feel like Tom Tom Baker had a I lot of better Tegan's companions. Awesome. I love Tegan, but Sam. She She's a little loud for me sometimes, and this is just kind of, she's just kind of there. Don't like, even get me started like on Perry. This is this is like Princess Leia. She's like the space senator chick. I love that she wasn't <laughs> from Earth. That was my favorite thing about Nissa. Was like, oh, you're not from Earth. Yeah, awesome. it's always a treat when. I, I like her, but. <laughs> and the master stole her father's body and annihilated her planet. Um, that I, master. Yeah. What? Well, what is he? Just not. <laughs> He's out think of control. Of. He just has. He's out of control. I think, I think Nissa grew on me in the audios, maybe, though. Maybe I just, uh, with Peter Davison, I think you had a good point there that Tom Baker, for the most part, had excellent companions all throughout his run. He had Sarah Jane and Leela. Oh, yeah, Leela? And <laughs> Rom oh, yeah, Romana. Yeah, Romana's very good. Um, and then even at the end, yeah, when he, he got the TARDIS best. full of kids, I mean, it was still... It was it, it was interesting and different. Uh, whereas Peter Davison didn't have quite the while, while he did inherit the TARDIS full of kids, he kind of had to to get it over himself. He he didn't have the same kind of support that Tom Baker had as far as the the cast went, and I think that says something for Peter Davison that he he did have the run that he had and that the show kept going and. Well, and following in, in Baker's oh, what a nightmare. Shoes, that had I mean, be. I remember, I'll, you know, I'll go ahead, 
uh, now and and throw mine out there. First Doctor Who I saw uh, was 1983. I saw The Five Doctors in its U.S. premiere, which was actually, I think it was two days before the U.K. premiere, which has never happened. Um, I didn't know what it was. I was at my aunt's house for Thanksgiving and just went in the back room because I have as much tolerance for adults then as I've got now. Uh, and I was hanging out by myself watching TV and I see, now I didn't know at the time, but I see John Pertwee and, uh, and, uh, Sarah Jane, uh, hiding behind a rock watching this creepy Android and then the Cybermen walk up, and the android takes out all the Cybermen, and then all kinds of crazy fucking shit happens that <laughs> I didn't understand because I was seven years old. I didn't know what was going on, but it was all colorful, and it moved fast, and there was some evil guy with a black goatee, and then at the very end, some old man got stuck in a rock forever. It really had an impact on me. Like, on my little brain, it just burned itself in there because the five doctors is weird yeah there's some crazy crap. um even knowing doctor who lore it's strange but i saw that and then it a couple of years maybe passed and one night saturday night on pbs i saw the loch ness monster chasing some dude down a foggy road and i was way into cryptozoology at the time so i was stuck from there and then a guy shows up wearing this big tartan scarf and a tartan hat. And he's got a little tam shanter on and, like, very loud, big teeth. And I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> and it was Terror of the Zygons. But I didn't relate it to the Five Doctors because Tom Baker is barely in the Five Doctors uh, because he didn't agree to come back he's, for it. They, like have a card, they have, like, a cardboard cutout of him, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. They did a little, well, they used, uh, they, they cut in some scenes from Shada, right. which was an unaired, uh, Douglas Adams actually written story. And yeah, for the photography and stuff, they had a little cardboard cutout. So I didn't really see Tom Baker at all when I saw the five doctors and saw the terror of the Zygons with the Loch Ness monster and the scary calamari tube people. And it was weird and I loved it. And from that point on, Every Saturday night, I was in front of the TV, you know, with the lights out, trying to be as quiet as I could, watching Doctor Who for an hour and a half, because PBS broadcast them uh, as as movies. They weren't the 22-minute episodes. They they cut them all together, so it was about an hour and a half movie. And every Saturday night, I was down there watching those. And my, my Doctor is, and I feel always will be, Tom Baker, because his... His magnetism, his enthusiasm, and the fact that out of all of the wonderful actors that have played the Doctor, he is the Doctor. Yeah. Wow. That, that was when he was on screen. That was Tom Baker. I mean, that that's just he embraced that role like nobody else has. Even David Tennant, who is probably the world's biggest Doctor Who fan, uh, didn't didn't take the role like Tom Baker did. So I, I, I take the, even though it's the easy, you know, everybody, oh, the guy with the scarf. 
Uh, that's he's my doctor. Well, you you didn't say scarf man, so that's good. Like you it sounds like you know what you're talking about. You know his name, so that's good. Um, you know, I I saw the five doctors at Phillips Arena, and they were fantastic. What a great band! Um, Their dance moves are tizite. So good. You know, you can you can see the four tops, but no, the five doctors like that's the act to catch. I will say oh, that um, three dog night opened before the tops. No, oh no, oh no, oh no, fancy. I will say that I find it interesting that when you snuck off from parents to go watch something, instead of watching the Spice Channel, you chose the Five Doctors, and I applaud you. I applaud you for not the watching. Spice Channel let on me, in 1983. Let me, I mean, who knows? I think I, in since, some form. Since this is my podcast and not the family-friendly Earth Station, who I'll share a little story. Uh oh. Most night, most Saturday nights, I would sneak off and watch Doctor Who quietly. And then, however, end. unfortunately <laughs> for me, and this probably exp- explains a lot about me, uh, the one night I did sneak. Do you guys remember the cable boxes with the push buttons? They were wood grain, and they had the little yes. black push buttons. Yes. And if you'd stick a toothpick in them, you could get the cable channels. Like, you could wedge the button, like, halfway what? down. You could just be Cable Ninja with a toothpick? Yes. <laughs> like, what? That's all it took? Okay. Yes, that's okay. it. That's it. And you've got uh, the Playboy channel. I think so, this is things only boys knew how to do. I never heard of this. Yeah, that's, well, yeah, you know. toothpick Playboy is foreign to me. Like, I would well, just watch Spice Scramble. Like, that was just... No, that you MST3K. Like, it was like, well, you know, it's kind of a, it's a movie I'm not into. So. All you have... Hey... Scrambled right. porn is all about patience. So, and then, and exercise you know, and patience. <laughs> Eventually, you're going to get half a green tit, and it'll all be worth it. It's about patience and squinting and general mo- and general a sense of movement. But I, I, I didn't have to squint. And you know what? This is even appropriate for the season because the first porn I ever saw on that Playboy channel was some kind of wacko pilgrim porn. I kid you not. Hey, that's not wacko. That's tradition. That is tradition. They're on like the Mayflower or something, and they're wearing pilgrim costumes. Was it called Deflowered on the Mayflower? I hope so. Was, it, uh, was the subtitle colon pornucopia? <laughs> <laughs> Which should be the name of your next album. I, but I, I really should look this up at some point. But uh, yeah, it was pilgrims uh, having having sex in a way that like wasn't. Cinemax sex, but was like, oh, what's he putting in her? Oh no, what? It's sex. maze. Because it's. it's I thought they were supposed to be Puritans. Maze. Yeah, <laughs> these these were these were impuritans. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was the one time I didn't sneak out to watch Doctor Who. That's what I got. So that's why I went back to Doctor Who for so many years. Cause... So if they ever do an American Thanksgiving episode, like your mind oh, no. is going to be totally fucked. I don't want that at all. Oh, oh my God. I'll, I'll just curl up. behind. I'll be behind the couch for a different reason. Um, i didn't i I didn't quite i jumped i think straight into my favorite doctor um i didn't uh mention my first doctor experience oh yeah yeah um i got in was it on the mayflower yes (laughs) (laughs) um i was introduced to doctor who by my puppet mentor chris brown um several yeah rizzy yeah you know rizzy um several years before 
the new show started. And I watched, um, I would hang out at his place and we'd stay up late and get drunk and he was like, you should watch. And he has, he has this giant VHS collection of just crazy old weird stuff. And he was a huge Whovian and he used to talk about going to Dragon Con and going to the, um, the Doctor Who stuff and just watching, and this is, you know, he was telling me this before the, before the new show started and just watching the Doctor Who fans just die. That they were just, they were just dying off and that every year there was fewer and fewer and fewer of them. And how sad he was about it. So he, he was, so we should, you need to sit down and watch this. Um, and so <laughs> we watched, um, uh, the, the, um, Genesis of the Daleks, I think was the first episode I watched. Um, which is a pretty high stakes. I mean, not that I totally grasped the stakes because I didn't totally sure. understand the Daleks at that point, or the or the entire universe, like let alone right. the Daleks. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, so I didn't I didn't totally grasp the stakes, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. It's old and cheesy and, and neat and everything. Um, but I really did I did enjoy it, um, and I and I gained in a sense appreciation. We watched a couple of Davison episodes, and and uh, and so then when when the new series started with nine, I already had. A working knowledge of of the Doctor and had seen you know not a ton but um, certainly enough to know what was going on and uh, so when it when I heard that it was gonna the sh- a new series was gonna start I was all about it um, and I was there ready to go on that first premiere um, and we recorded it and and uh, and then it all just happened. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's so Dragon Con gained one fan. That year. <laughs> that year. Yeah, and then, and then, um, and I, I, I wasn't, I was superhero costuming at the time, but I wasn't doing anything other than superheroes, really. And then when they started, when all the David Tennant stuff started, and I was watching the episodes before they were airing in America, um, I was like, oh, I kind of look like that guy. I could do that. Um, and, and so, uh, gotten, but I'm not, I'm, I'm a costumer, but not as much of a, a, suit tailor um mm-hmm. <laughs> so i i got with my buddy sean Patton, who has been interviewed um uh here uh, uh by by phantom before sean Patton is freaking yeah, amazing he's amazing he built my he built my 10th doctor costume uh, and just knocked it out of the park and i still say i have one of the best coats i've ever seen so or did you go the like brown pinstripe route or which like what is your 10th doctor um, ensemble? We, found, we found some um Gray pinstripe, gray brown pinstripe fabric, and overdyed it with blue, Ooh. and the, the blue only showed up in the gray stripe. Wow, the brown. Mm. So that's how we we did it because you couldn't. This was, I mean, this was before where you could buy the fabric on Spoonflower or whatever. You know, um, finding you know brown fabric with blue pinstripes was impossible. Uh, so we we got pretty fucking close for for where you know for what we had to work with and then um put the whole you know and and after that that was it it was just the shirt the tie the um and then uh the the night i escaped from grady uh was wearing that costume so <laughs> which is appropriate that's a story for another time oh, yes. wow yeah that's, i want to well, hear that, that sounds story. like a good story though <laughs> yeah. it is but but uh i'll tell it to you in private that's after that's you speak in person you get to hear it ex- exactly that you you have to be in person for that story it it you you can't broadcast that one. It's it's got to be a live viewing. Yeah, man, I'm already intrigued. Like I'm already I'm writing that down with an actual pen. Like I am so into it. You might so, be yeah. able to tell us the prom story though. 
Oh, yeah, I can tell the prom story. Um, yeah, the prom story was at Ace, the Atlanta Comic Expo. Uh, and it was in the same hotels as Dragon Con one year. And there was a prom happening uh, in one of the same hotels. It was a weird year because there were all these other conventions going on in all the hotels, including Ace. There was, like, a little girl's dance recital, so it was all these, like... <laughs> Eight-year-olds and these like really freaky spangly outfits and traveling around in little herds, and then there was this prom. There was like this inner city Atlanta prom happening, and everybody was in their formal wear, and I was in my tenth doctor costume, which gives me an just completely unreasonable amount of confidence. <laughs> Long coats will do that. Yeah, uh, and it was you know, and it's a suit, so you can kind. And this is this is you know, this is pre, still sort of pre. I mean, I don't know if you could say the 10th Doctor's outfit is common knowledge to general Americans. Um, but you could still kind of walk around and, and people are like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. Um, so I just walked my ass right into that prom. I was wearing a suit, you know. Um, I Fair fit right. Uh, and I partied my ass off at that <laughs> high school prom. And, <laughs> and girls, and, and, there was, and there was this element of it of, this is exactly what the Teth Doctor would do when faced with human prom. You mm-hmm. know, like what a you know the the Doctor is a, is a terrophile. He's obsessed with Earth. Why else would he spend so much fucking time on it uh, when he has all of space and time to, to travel in? I mean, other obviously other than for budgetary reasons. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a terrophile and he's an Anglophile. Like those exactly. are like that's so those are like his tears. Oh, is, like, is it yeah. human? Is it British? British? Right. Yeah, British people remind them of Time Lords because they're <laughs> stuffy and you know whatever. Uh, um, so there I was, just and I was, I was, I was. I mean, I was probably way more into it than I should have been, and I and I blame this on the alcohol. But like, I was just like, prom. It's just this, hu- you know, this human ritual, and it's so amazing. And and my own personal prom experiences were pretty weak, so this was probably. My best prom experience as the 10th Doctor. As the Doctor. That's amazing. <laughs> the only time you're going to have a good time at prom, because I, I, I did a late prom myself. Um, the only time you're going to have a good time at prom is when you don't give a shit. Right. That's just a fact. I I, I I don't... Went to, my proms were with friends. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, right, not, right. Not like girlfriends. Like a girl that was a friend of mine that I was like, well, we're the best we're going to get. Yeah. So, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but I did, uh, my friend had a restoration period wedding, which is, I think, a thing only costume people do. I don't, um, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, it, it sounds like a thing only costume people do. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's so, like, I mean, yeah. I have a, a, a minimal knowledge of costuming, and even that's like, I mean, come on. Like, that or like, uh, like, history nerds, like, just a step to the side of, of Civil War reenacting, you've got Restoration Wedding. Yeah, what, is so that, what does that mean? Explain that. Uh, it's a period um, that I cannot name. I could not tell you, oh, it, it happened oh, okay. in, between the years of blah, 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 blah. Is it American Restoration or is it, like, more British Restoration? Uh, well, yeah, maybe that would make sense if it was post-Civil War. I would love mm-hmm. if your answer to that question was just yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm you are correct. Restoration uh, wedding right now. So she has. Did it involve goggles? Goggles involved? Is that what that is? Steampunk. This was pre-steampunk. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. 
And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to go and rent a ridiculous costume. I'm going to time travel to your stupid restoration wedding. And I showed up in my Tenth Doctor costume. Beautiful. But it was the first time that I'd worn it since I escaped from Grady. And I, my house is sometimes kind of dim. And I put on the suit, and I was like, yeah, okay, great. And so I go to the wedding, and I, and I get out of the car, and I step outside and actually see myself in the sunlight for the first time and realize that the suit is still kind of covered in blood. Oh, my God! So oh. <laughs> I am at the restoration wedding in my, in my time traveler costume. <laughs> with everybody else in these ridiculous restoration costumes, and I'm still sort of covered in blood. Um, it was a treat. We had a good time. Oh my God. Your statement varied from what you had intended. And of course, <laughs> uh, just as a national note, for those of you not from Atlanta, uh, Grady is one of the scariest hospitals. The dude in the room dead. Oh my God. Crazy. And you're going to have to stop referring to that story if you're not going to tell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. We should, we should move along now. Um, I, I, what, what was your, let's start with Beth here. What was your reaction, uh, being a fan of, of classic who to the modern stuff when, when Eccleston appeared and when they, they restarted everything? Well, they didn't even restarted. They continued everything. What, what was your initial reaction to that? Um, well, funny enough, we were just watching last night the uh, Paul McGann TV movie. What inspired and- that? Could it have been Night of the Doctor? <gasps> Could oh. <it> be? <laughs> Dude, we could do a whole podcast just on that. Yeah. So you were watching but the Paul McGann movie. After that, being reminded of just how bad that was, <laughs> and really it wasn't it wasn't Paul McGann's fault, it was really more Eric Roberts' fault now that I look back at it, because he was awful. But not as awful but as John he, Sims. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> we may have to dis- agree to disagree on that oh, one. Oh gosh. But I, w- I was ready for the doctor to, to go away for just a little while after the Paul McGann TV movie, <laughs> simply because it just, it so did not fit with what I knew Doctor Who to be. Right, yeah. So I was glad for a little break. And then when I heard Christopher Eccleston was going to be doing the new Doctor Who, I was at first very excited that they were bringing it back. But I only knew Christopher Eccleston from being a bad guy in Danny Boyle movies. But you, so you I was knew a him. little nervous. Oh, yes, I did know him. See, I didn't know who he was. Did you ever see uh, Shallow Grave? Yeah, I've I've I've, I've I've seen like since it's one of those things where in retrospect I'm like, oh, he was in that and that and that, but at the time, like he wasn't in my consciousness. I just remembered him being kind of creepy and really intense, so I wasn't quite sold on that. But I also am never quite sold when I hear there's a new doctor. Sure, it takes me a little while to warm up. Yeah. So I was I was willing to to suspend my trepidation, I guess, and and see where it went. And it turned out to be great. I think Russell T. Davies was fantastic at the time when he was still in charge. Stephen Moffat did a good job till Stephen Moffat took over. Yeah. Um, but at the time, I thought it was great, and I was really excited to see it come back. I didn't care for Rose right away, but she, I think, grew on me more once David Tennant came in. Mm-hmm. And she was a little less annoying with him around. At first, Rose was really, really annoying, and Mickey was kind of annoying, too. But I like Captain Jack right away. Well, of course. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> 
That dude is gold. Like anything so you am I the in. only person in the boat who can't stand Rose? Is it just me? Yeah, I think so. You should you should talk to All Director right. Faber of Earth Station Who. You guys could have a cocktail together because he right. he cannot stand Rose. Yeah, he doesn't. Even like but I was yeah, I was watching some Rose episodes earlier because the Eccleston episodes have been playing all day, and I had a question that didn't occur to me until you talked about watching the Five Doctors. There's the episode where they go back in time and they save Rose's father from dying and it rips apart the universe or something right. and monsters come. Right. How come Rose can't touch the baby version of herself without destroying the universe and yet there can be five doctors together all at once hanging out and that doesn't do anything? Wibbly wobbly time you well, Yeah, I think yeah. I think doctors I think doctors in the same space have some sort of carte blanche that we are not privy to as humans within timelines. Like, I think they, for some reason, there's some sort of workaround where they're like, no, we totally no, it's totally fine. Like, that we we are not okay with. Like, they are well, some, they know their intricacies. Intricacies. That's actually also, been the, addressed. Also, the doctor lies. That's been a, the doctor lies. The doctor lies. Well, but that's, the doctor lies. that's been like, addressed. They, they talk about it's the reason... Uh, Amy's child ended up being a time lord. It's because the doctor spends so much time outside of the timelines in the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his essence or or whatever it is is different from like Rose's. Rose is a standard straight timeline mortal uh, who's never meant and and has never like really hasn't spent a lot of time outside of her timeline whereas the doctor and and time lords in general exist kind of beyond timelines they they travel through space and time all the time so even their physiology is better yeah, equipped built, for it they're they're built i mean right. you know time you know you got to remember that time lords aren't gallifreyans right time lords come out of the loom and gallifreyans are people who are born on gallifrey right. you know um, they're genetically designed to to survive the the rigors of time travel and to to be genetically predisposed to time travel. To not uh, dissipate into a million pieces. Yes. Yes. This isn't time cop. Okay, I'll, I'll allow it. And, I'll allow and it. also, one, one of <laughs> I'll allow that. I'll, the motion stands. <laughs> one one of my favorite <laughs> phrases uh, that I use all the time on Earth Station Who uh, is because Doctor Who. Because Doctor Who. Okay, yeah. Because yeah, Doctor Who. Because I guess Doctor that makes Who. sense. That's what it all comes down to. Oh, and, and, uh, and on a side note, I just Googled restoration, and the first thing that came up was restoration hardware, so that still sounds like a weird wedding. <laughs> hey The only thing I got was, like, dresses that look like shit, and then all of a sudden they look great. So, like, I... <laughs> like, the actual restoring of a lace dress to, well, did like... You, did you search restoration period? I did not include that, was, I did not either. that adjective. <laughs> it is a period of dress. Let's put safe search on before we do that. <laughs> yeah, I can see a bunch of adult vaginas if you don't. <laughs> 16th and 17th century. Okay, so it's not the actual American restoration post-Civil War. This is more the, like, enlightenment, like, post-Renaissance, like gotcha. that. That I zone. Costume, I lost some costume designer points just then for my period lack of period knowledge. No, I mean if you're the doctor, you can go whenever you want. Yeah, like that's, right. You're totally right. Like going back to that original point, like he can go anywhere on the X, Y, and or Z axis as he so sees fit. Or she, you know, one day we'll get a female doctor. I, th- I think and- they're se- they're definitely setting that up, and I I almost wonder 
I don't think they're setting I, it up. I think they're being they're being PC and they're saying yes, there could be a female doctor. Will there be a female doctor? See, I see that. But we're going to say that they can be to placate the people. Oh, sure, who sure. But see, I almost know. see that as possible workaround for the stated twelve regenerations because if you include oh, John Hurt, and Peter so. Capaldi is the final regeneration. But I right. don't know. We'll, well, they can do whatever they want. It's fucking. It's but fucking because easy. Doctor Who, there can be a right. lot. It doesn't matter. There can be many right. more because time, Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, gave the Master a whole bunch of extra generations so we could fight in the Time War. And the Doctor, I mean, the Master's whole deal right. was, I'm going to find ways to cheat the twelve right. generations. He turned into a rotten so, Lucio Fulci extra and managed exactly. to get you know more. So yeah, there's already a precedent for for trying to cheat your number of generations. And and plus we I haven't got gotten to the Valyard yet, so. Right. There's all kinds of stuff. Uh, yeah, the the show is is the original start of the show is in cheats, which is like, oh look, Doctor One, we gotta we gotta fix this. So, like even one to two, like that started as a cheat, right? right. So yeah. the the entire show is like, yeah, no matter what rules we set up, at any moment in time we can break them. Even if we say like the pawns are never, 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 never coming back. Like you know, there's always a chance for them to come back because. Because Doctor Yeah, Hill. well, and I mean, right. who who would ever have imagined that we'd get Paul McGann back uh, like we did in Night of the Doctor? Oh God! Oh, my gosh! Oh, it was so good. It really oh, was, and it's 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 almost like kind of a little uh, uh it's almost like a cock punch because it's just like here he is, <laughs> and look, we're letting we're letting him be totally yeah. awesome, and look how good he could have been minutes. in the right context. But here uh-huh. he is for six minutes. Oh, you're done. Now, I mean, I feel, I feel like I really, I did get to know him as the doctor through the audios. Yeah. And I recommend, I recommend the audios, the Big Finish audios. Anyone who is a Doctor Who fan, they are fantastic. I love, 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 love listening to them. They, especially with the eighth doctor, because it's the only chance you really get to get to know him as well, a doctor. Well, here's the key thing about the Big Finish audios. And, and, and for those that may not know, uh, they're basically radio plays. They're special effects, and it's it's just like listening to the audio from an episode. But here's the thing. There's no budget because oh. everything that's happening is happening in your brain. We reviewed, like- uh, we reviewed The Tenth Planet on Earth Station Who, and I, we had to listen to the audio version of it because there's so many missing parts of it. And in my head... There was crazy shit going on. There were like hundreds of Cybermen and hundreds of dudes fighting in the hallways and like all kinds of crazy things happening. And then when you go and you actually see the existing stories, you're like, oh, there's like two sad, fat British guys with what looks like a coffee can glued onto a stick fighting two Cybermen. And that's the thing to remember with the audio stuff is... As as much as your imagination Budget can provide is how awesome it's going to be. And these people are putting they it are, out there. Yeah. I mean, when you listen to Paul McGann as the Eighth Doctor, he's on ah, fire. So, it's crazy. Right. And that's also, I, I would say that that is also a big difference between um, the American sense of drama and the British sense of drama, where you're coming from in England, it's such a bigger theater culture. They respect the Aristotelian... Um, hierarchy of drama so much more where it's like okay we're gonna we're gonna respect plot and we're gonna respect character above yeah. all else you bring it to america and it's like uh so where's the explosions right, right. and more's um, the boots so where's uh where's the fun like you just you, people want 
as soon as it starts getting bigger and bigger, there's different things that people demand from it. But I think because of that, of the, of where it's it started sort of in this heart of just Shakespearean theater, <laughs> that they, people appreciate that so much more too. And, and just know that you can make something happen with just audio alone. Well, and that's, and it's, that goes oh, yeah. back to a big difference between classic Doctor Who and modern Doctor Who is classic mm-hmm. Doctor Who all that really mattered was that the story and the performances were good. It didn't matter that everything was made of cardboard and like foam rubber and spray paint because everybody was so into it. All of the actors were thrilled to be doing it. They were chewing up scenery and they loved it. All the stories Mm -hmm. were very intense and now granted they did get drawn out from time to time because they did have the format that they had to fill of the 22 yeah, episodes I, I had, and mm-hmm. and you know when you yeah. when you get up around six parts my rewatching last and, night I was like oh god yeah but even the rewatching like you totally see that the, everything is built so much more like a theater yes. set than it's built like a film set it's built like it, you, there's so much more coverage there's a lot more wide shot it's built for somebody who's gone to see and, plays and, that were Theater culture is is just a part of of everyday. Not close up song. And that's the, the thing crying. is to me that's exactly. I'd so much <laughs> rather watch a static shot of people walking across a set and interacting with one another than a close up reaction shot of somebody's face. I I, I enjoy mm-hmm. that style so much. Oh more. man, I see this so often on shows now when they do like the over the shoulder back and forths between people, and you can it's so obvious that the lines that the person's back of their head. Is delivering are not the lines actually oh, that it's coming all out of ABR. Oh, it's so bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, it it just ah, yeah, yeah. oh, Travis, stop! You're that's not what they're and, saying. And I can see they're well, they're flapping. expecting your eye to go somewhere right, different. Yeah, right. and, oh, and that didn't crazy. happen in Classic Who because it was theatrical. It was the performance was happening right in front of you. There was no going back and re-recording lines or anything. I mean, this was very yeah. much stage this, acting. We have to get a chance to blow it right. up once. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, this, I'd, much, I'd much rather see a, a shot of a guy reacting to a, a dude in a plastic mask than I would a guy reacting to something he's supposed to be seeing, but it's really a green screen because right, nothing's there. He's looking at a foam <laughs> ball on a stick. Yeah. Yep. Um and you go back to like even just like the live reenactment of like the voice of canine or the voice of the Daleks. Like it's all the actors are actually right. there for you to look at or react to, to have like that natural reaction. Like that happens in, in not only the old who, but in the new who is that's just a, a continued thread. And I, I love that so much. Yeah. That's not dropped in. They, they have a guy, you know, either off screen or inside of a Dalek or whatever it may be. They've got a guy delivering those lines to the human in the scene and it makes a huge difference. Brilliant. I, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's so much more organic and so, so much more, uh, it's, it's more of a complete production. I've always thought like, okay, just test, test, uh, test here. Yes. Who here on the podcast is afraid of the Daleks? Uh, the Daleks are not my big bad. I, I mean, I find them pretty scary just because I think they're, yeah. they're unpredictable. See, to me, like, the idea of the Daleks is terrifying. And, and, you, and you have to look beyond the, the pepper pot roll around and the plunger hands and the, oh, they can't go upstairs. Like, the, the, just the crazy Nazi 
freaking fanatical mentality of the Daleks is terrifying. And any and I think that anybody who who like really knows their who is going to be like, yeah, the Daleks are fucking scary. You know, and it's not it's not the what they look like, but the the sort of what they represent and the idea. Um, yeah, I mean, it's terrifying. No, it's, it's well, all they want to do is exterminate. They they don't yeah. care about talking. They don't want to be reasoned with. They're not going to listen to you. Have a, a little speech at them. They're just going to kill you. Yeah, they're going to find well, every and the thing one is, of you and and kill every single one of you. The thing is with the 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 Nazi parallel. They are walking, well, not walking, rolling, talking <laughs> propaganda because they are so iconic. They're these living tanks. So it's almost their imagery, just that idea of the look of a Dalek is what's terrifying is they're also uniform. Um, they're, they're just this unstoppable mass. It's not even about how functional they really are. It's just that image. That's them. That that terrifying tank of destruction, mm-hmm. and I, I get that. But to me, the Cybermen are my oh yeah. Like those scare the shit out of me because those are the precursors to the board, mm-hmm. and that whole idea of losing oneself to a collective. Uh, Terrifying. And you actually see the process that people go through of being tortured. Like if it's a Dalek, you just see somebody basically get disintegrated and like, oh, you're dead. But with the Cybermen, you right. see the act, the pain that that people go through. Like I'm getting yes. caught. I know I'm going to change. Like it's it's right. that weird extra like dash of torture porn that makes I can see that that makes that scary. I think they're. I mean, I personally think they're both <laughs> equally scary for different reasons. I think the Daleks have more power, but I think. The, the actual, like, watching what the Cybermen do is scarier. Well, they're so much more insidious because, I, honestly, if I had to choose, I would rather be disintegrated by a Dalek than become yeah. a Cyberman. Yeah. Um, I have some breaking news. Um, my husband just dropped off a, what is this? It is a Titans vinyl figure. Um, uh, it's a Doctor Who vinyl figure. And I'm going to open it and reveal which one I got. Oh, is this, these are the blind bags? It's bag a blind bag, guys? you know, I've got like this, this oh. little like, it looks like a four by three inch box. And then, yeah, I'm yeah, live, live, ripping on the open show. the bag live. <laughs> the live foil bag is being torn asunder. It. What could it be? And it's an angel, ladies and gentlemen, we have an angel. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I read about. I read your post about angel fatigue. So I. <laughs> uh, but you know what? They're still fucking scary. Like what? They're they have well, no, the they were scary. They yeah. They have forgot. They no, every they, with every episode they have gotten progressively less scary. Yeah, when they did Angel Bob, that kind of undermined them a little bit. They never should have talked. They never should have had motivations. But if you go back and watch Blink, that's Blink, still fucking Blink is oh, God, Blink, yeah. Blink is one of those. Hey, you're my friend who's never seen Doctor Who. This is the episode you watch. Or The Girl yeah. in the Fireplace yeah. is another really yeah. great place to start. Actually, you know what? Blink is still terrifying. And aside from the Statue of Liberty, uh. I think Angels in Manhattan. No, is still Angels terrifying. in Manhattan. Where the fuck is everybody in Manhattan? The craziest fucking city in the world. You see three, what, three fucking people? 
I said aside from the Statue of Liberty part, like the the baby the baby angels are creepy. But like where is everybody? All of the statuary. <laughs> where is New York? Yeah, I, one of the most see, populated I, to me, cities ever. Now here's the only thing: if they had said the reason for the time distortion is that the in this particular timeline in this particular time bubble, the angels have actually gotten everybody in New York, and New York is a ghost town. And then everybody created all the time distortion. That I would have bought it. I would have bought that the doctor couldn't have actually gone back there. And that's why he couldn't get back to them. But then it's like, oh, we're just walking around the streets of New York. No one's mentioning the fact there's nobody here. I dug that one. And it's one of the few times I actually cared about River was when the angel grabbed her. I was like, oh, shit. But yeah, no, well, because that would explain why nobody wa- you know, nobody noticed the Statue of fucking Liberty walking out of the. Yeah, that was. And it absurd. was just it, it uh, was Ghostbusters was... too. That's all that happened. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it just it without without the uh, uh, Jackie. Oh gosh, what's his name? Your love is lifting me higher. Your love is lifting me higher. Yeah, I can't remember to con- his name. Control the Statue of Liberty. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> uh, so. Uh, Beth, your your reaction Jackie Wilson, to modern sorry. Doctor Who was Jackie mm-hmm. Wilson. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Dana, we know how that, that's pretty much how you got uh, introduced to it. Uh, Bo, you you got introduced modern. You you said you kind of later on went back to the classic stuff. I got introduced what, what your... to the classic stuff before the new before the new before. Oh, that's right. Your v, your Mad VHS collection. That's right, Chris yeah, Brown. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a. Uh hanging out at Chris Brown's house at night after shows and stuff. Um, staying up late watching old VHS tapes and, and geeking out. And, and it was, it was, there was this sort of almost desperation with Chris to introduce me to it with, with his, uh, sort of thought that, that all Whovians in the world were going to just die. It would be right, over. Right. Um, he, he felt, I think he felt like he was really doing something important and like a service to like, bring to create a new doctor who fan well you don't want to see your fandom die and and i can't it's interesting because i i love doctor who so much when i was a kid uh watched all the tom baker watched all the peter davison uh like beth said when colin baker came around i watched a couple and honestly just drifted away well, it's hard not to and and uh, I I have a different appreciation for Colin Baker now. Oh, yes. Um, but Trial of a Time Lord is what brought me back after however long PBS showed Colin's uh, stories. They did my PBS channel did Trial of a Time Lord in one night. Whoa, that's like that's yeah. like mock trial. Like that's a long trial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it started at the typical, uh, I think, I think Doctor Who started at 11 o'clock, um, and it went until four or five in the morning because it was during one of their telethons. Mm. And I begged my mom to donate some money so I could have a Doctor <laughs> Who. I wanted, I wanted a Doctor Who canvas tote bag. I don't know what I was going to do with a Doctor Who canvas tote bag. You're, but you're going to tow in, your stuff. You know, you're going to show yeah, everybody that you could tote. Right. I was going to, but I mean, this was probably 1987 or eight, I guess. I don't see, I, I wish I could get a hold of the PBS schedule. So certainly at the height of Doctor things. Who's popularity. 
Especially right, in America. Right. Well, <laughs> um, so, and I, I'm sure at this point, uh, Sylvester McCoy had already taken over over in the UK, but this was Trial of a Time Lord. I wanted my canvas tote bag. Uh, it wasn't happening, but it got me back into it. Uh, I, to this day, even though I recognize that Trial of a Time Lord is kind of terrible, it's such strong nostalgia that I just kind of love it. Well, anyway. sort of anytime, anytime, Gall- um, I mean, anytime you get to see Gallifrey, was right, you know. Yeah, it, well, and it was at the time. Uh, this is this goes back to the tote bag. There was no Doctor Who merchandise to be had in America. Um, the, you know, as 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 material a guy as I am, what with collecting the toys and and everything, I wanted Doctor Who toys so bad. I probably would have cut off my mom's pinky toe if somebody could have gotten me a Tom Baker. Well, that's figure. reasonable. Like even even one of the old crappy Daypaul ones that they made that didn't even have a scarf. Uh, but I just wanted anything and a canvas tote bag would have been fine. But I, I watched that and then I was like, okay, I can accept this guy. I'm ready. I can get back into Doctor Who. And then that ended and Sylvester McCoy showed up and I started watching again because I really loved his, how theatrical he was and how over the top yeah. he was and how he over enunciated everything. He's listening to him talk. Oh, rolled every R. Every uh, single R. Oh my gosh. It was I love insane. His and, because of that. And then they, when they introduced Ace, uh, it was just fantastic. And I didn't know, much like when Tom Baker regenerated into Peter Davison and my little self didn't know that that existed or that was a thing that could happen. When I saw that, I didn't understand what was happening. All I knew is my guy was going away. Like, and this little blonde guy took over because there was no, there was no internet and I had no knowledge of this show as a British entity that had aired three or four years before. All I knew was that this guy with the scarf that I had loved for, you know, at least a year or so was going away. Yeah. Uh, and same thing when Sylvester McCoy came in. I, I didn't know what was going on. I watched his stories and then survival happened and survival doesn't end the story. It, they just walk off like the end of any other episode except they don't get in the TARDIS. And then it ended and the next week was a John Pertwee episode that was like eight stories long and that I had no tolerance for because it was some old guy, mm-hmm. which now I love John Pertwee yeah. and I get it. I get that he's the James Bond of all of the doctors. But at the time, I just, it was too much. Yeah. And, uh, that was kind of when I went away. Yeah. Kid brain was like, I do not understand what thing that was here. Like you just, you, it, it's, right. it's hard to accept whenever somebody leaves the show, even though that's, that's part of the convention. That's what's just, that's what we've just come to accept as normal is people leave the end of the season or end a series. Or end of every couple series, somebody leaves something, stakes have to be raised. And that's, in some ways, like dramatically, like that's fantastic. Like people die on this show. Yes. That doesn't oh, yeah, happen. Like, crazy. <laughs> like that's, there's, there's shows that are so afraid to do that. And this one, they time it so well to say like, well, uh, we know we're going to kill this person off. Uh, you're going to, we're going to hold your hand through the entire thing, but just know this person's going to die. This person's going to go away at the end of all this. Well, and it's a clever way to force people to get even more invested in the show because when you lose your main character to have Mm -hmm. the commitment to stick around and see what's going to happen, 
it 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 kind of forces you to be even more into it and and to love it even more even if you maybe don't like the next person as much you're still sticking around yeah. and that's that's kind of the big thing about doctor who is it's this whole it's not it's not just the doctor it's this whole universe that yeah. you're invested in and this whole ongoing drama of the events surrounding this character. It's so not, you I mean, want it's, to it's not even around. a universe. I mean, it's, it's the universe. I mean, the right. Doctor permeates all space and time. This, the, the storytelling possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is maybe the greatest con, you know, concept for a show that never has to end. Absolutely. Well, and also the, the greatest cop-out. Most of the time, you've got a companion to kind of carry you through the regeneration, too. So mm-hmm. you've still got, like, that touchstone of this person I know, this person I recognize. They're still there to kind of carry right. you through that regeneration where you get used to the new guy. Right, which is what makes Amy and Eleven so connected is, you know, like he says, the first face I saw. And it wasn't a face yeah. from his older generation. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. He didn't have anyone to hold his hand. He just And that was very brave of them to do. Yeah. To not have that well, carry over I think it had, to essentially start. It fresh. had it had to do with changing over showrunners, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and I think that's why we see you know what we see with Clara, who's going to hold you know we're going to just like we did with Rose, where we saw Rose transfer nine into eleven. We're going to see Clara, you know, guide our audience between eleven and twelve. Um, Hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll see. I, I, my, my issue with Clara right now is she started off as absolutely fantastic, and then they, due to the nature of her story, they had to regress her to being not so fantastic, mm-hmm. and slowly build her back up, mm-hmm. and and they kind of lost me a little bit. I like Jenna Louise Coleman a lot. Uh, she's shown that she has wit and she has spunk and that she can work with Matt Smith and, and everybody else. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like it's how she's, how she's written and how, what her character's doing. And, and you think about like the fact that they've basically, this is the third time that they've done somebody who's like, well, I'm just everyday average lady. Here I go. Like, uh, as far as within the new season, the new series, um, because it, with Rose Tyler, it's like, I'm, I'm just a shop girl. And then like, uh, Donna, a little bit more temp-like and Martha, she has at least like, uh, Martha has a doctor path, like fucking awesome. And then like, yay, Amy, Martha, yay, Martha, yay, Martha. Well, and, and, and Martha, <laughs> Martha, who is the one that walked away. Yes. Oh, How awesome Martha. is that? Yes. I love Martha right. for that. Right. It's so brilliant. She was and, the one who was smart enough, who wasn't like, oh, cause it's, you know, the you know the rose rose martha donna you know mm-hmm. you have at at the, at both ends of the spectrum you've got rose and you've got donna rose who's totally yeah. moony-eyed over the doctor completely infatuated cannot to the point of in my opinion insanity and willing to put the entire universe on the line just because she misses the doctor um and is the entire reason that davros almost destroyed the universe you know destroyed all of existence because rose can't Keep her pussy from getting wet over the doctor. So you've got to destroy it. <laughs> but, the but to be fair, to be fair, who could? Um, He's Martha, a dashing, charming dude. Martha. Well, and that's the thing, though. Martha. Martha, Martha came along. Yeah, Martha came along, and it was like this. I can see what's going on here, and I can see that anyone who gets close to you gets nothing but heartache and and destruction. Uh, and I'm going to walk away from this crazy. Martha town. is a true 
doctor in her own right too. Yeah. And that's like yeah. I think that she's the most overlooked out of uh, oh, I love I love out Martha. of a lot of the I'm... companions and I but I just I I love the the episodes where uh the doctor is with Jessica Hines from Spaced and he's like, "Oh, she's amazing. I'm so into her." And Martha's uh-huh. like, Poor "Yeah, Martha. so what about me? I'm here too." Well, and that's what's and... great about that's what makes Martha different from Donna. Was Donna was never interested in the doctor. It was Ooh. all about it was all about it, but Martha was interested, but then had the intelligence and the sense of self-preservation to be like, "Ah, this is this will only end with me dying." Yeah. Well, and I think I think the people who dismiss Martha because she was in love with the Doctor are missing the point of that whole arc. They're missing the point that yes, Rose fell in love with the Doctor. Uh, Martha was maybe hot for the Doctor, and then was strong enough to say, "This isn't for me. I got to move on." And then into Donna, who had just no time for his bullshit whatsoever. Yeah, she was just well, into then- like the truth. Then yeah, when you yeah. look back at like when they brought Sarah Jane back, it's kind of heartbreaking when you see her again, oh. and you know she just never got over being left by the doctor. It's so I, sad. Oh, girl! Like I loved that speech so much. Like when when she and Rose sort of first go head to head, and and she just talks about like, well, you know, you showed me space, you showed me that splendor, you showed me that wonder, and then you just dropped me. Yeah, you showed me everything, and then you dropped me off. Fuck you. And that's what Martha saved herself from. Yeah. She didn't, exactly. She didn't Either want she that day saved, anymore. She saved herself from death or th- being abandoned. The she, dump she off, yeah. Enough. Yeah, she was smart enough. And then you've got Rose, who you literally have to trap her in another fucking dimension twice. And the second <laughs> time, you've got to fucking clone yourself to get away from her. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. She is like the worst ex in the world. Like, <laughs> she's young. She's young. This is the first love she's ever she's had. Awful. Mickey, she didn't care about Mickey. She's she awful. The doctor. She's so terrible. She's completely <laughs> willing to destroy the entire universe. Does not give a fuck about anybody. But that's just love. But back to the point about about the different, the sort of newer companions we've seen. Is that yeah, like Clara? Uh, I, I think a lot of the beef that people have with Clara is she's she hasn't really. Yeah, she hasn't been given a lot to do. She's a nanny and in some lives also a bartender. Like, she's not given a lot of meat as far as, like, work purpose. Well, she's well, they, they wrapped her mystery up so fast. Like, what yeah. What now? What are yeah. you now? Well, you're, you're not the impossible girl. You're not this, like, wonderful thing that we've, we've held up on high on a pedestal. You're the impossible girl now. It's just like, oh, your girl jumped yeah. in the time. No, you're just cool. a girl. <laughs> yeah. Here's my beef with Clara is that and that's with the character of Clara. Uh I she is Stephen Moffat's Mary Sue character. She to me is Stephen Moffat's little incarnation of himself within the show. Ooh. That saves <laughs> she saves everything. Not just the Doctor now, but the whole last 50 years of Doctor Who she's now insinuated herself into. She yeah. is now part of everything from November 23rd, 1963 up until now. She's part of it. And he she's injected, he yeah. injected himself into everything. So now you can't watch any episode of Doctor Who, regardless of what era it's from, without thinking, well, Clara's there somewhere 
taking care of business. Yeah. And Ooh, you're right. That's going to irritate me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's never been done. Like that's never been done before. I I actually think when I saw that I was like, that's a that is an interesting idea. Like I did not, I did not poo poo that. I thought that was like it was. It's an interesting cool. idea until I thought about it and I realized <laughs> like okay, because he's not only has he done that with Clara, he did it with the Ice Warriors too. Because now anytime you go back and you watch the Ice Warriors or you go back and you watch um the Beast of Paladon, you're gonna be looking at the awesome Ice Warrior, like the old school clunky Ice Warrior, which granted they did a fantastic job of updating because really the only thing they changed changed were the hands instead of the yeah. weird Lego hands. Now they've got actual like mittens yeah. on. Yeah. But uh now every time you watch one of those classic Doctor Who stories yeah. oh, crit- with the Ice Warriors, critter. you know there's a fucking golem snake inside them. That so doesn't that he, doesn't jump out for no reason. Right. Yeah. He's once again <laughs> insinuated himself into the past of Doctor Who, which That's is a weird meta true. thing for what That's happened with the name of the Doctor. I felt like Rose was was. Um, will you stop talking about Rose? What's wrong? Well, with no, her? no. I will <laughs> talk about her forever. I will listen. I, I love think her. Clara to a greater okay. extent is is Stephen Moffat. You know, obviously to a much greater extent insinuating themselves into Doctor Who, but I definitely think that Rose was um, Russell T. Davies a little bit fantasy of being the Doctor's girlfriend. I mean, I that's a I fair point. Do. I, I'm yeah, that's I'm not going to dispute that. You know, and that and that and that he and that she gets him in the end. Right. She gets him because she looks in the fucking heart of the TARDIS. Like she no, gets, that, she gets the world. <laughs> she but gets she gets everything. the gen, the horrible genocidal doctor. Mm-hmm. She gets she gets the doctor only because the um the doctor gets his fucking hand cut off in the middle of a of regeneration. That's the only reason she gets her doctor. Not because she looked into the heart of the TARDIS and 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 cursed fucking poor Jack Harkness to live forever. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and become a gigantic head with tentacles. Yeah, that yeah, was fucking hanging off his head. Um, yeah, think think about that when you swoon over uh, Captain Jack. Turns into giant ball face. Yeah. But, um, but I always felt like that. I always felt like Russell T Davies was that Rose was Russell T Davies. That's interesting. I, I that had not occurred to me, but now combining it with my my Clara theory, that's pretty solid. Well, look, this is uh we we've talked about obviously we all have a have a, a huge amount of affection for Doctor Who. Uh and the 50th anniversary is happening Saturday. Uh, I personally don't have a whole lot of theories about what's going to happen in Day of the Doctor. Obviously, it's going to involve the Time War a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know that it's all that interesting to talk about Day of the Doctor since it's going to be happening so soon. But what, uh, and let's start with Dana on this one, what would you like to see beyond Saturday. What 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 would you like to see out of Peter Capaldi's Doctor and out of the show? Well, um, just to sidestep, like I really think that um, I would like to see John Hurt's War Doctor um, do a mashup with Assassin's Creed because he already has like a nice long coat. Um, I would like to travel through time with the War Doctor for a little bit 
and uh, and maybe take on some missions. So that's personally like where I want to go, just because I'm I'm having this weird overlap with. I'm playing Black Flag right now, so I'm like, well, no, obviously they're going to do a John Hurt Assassin's Creed, correct? <laughs> um, uh, with with Capaldi, I'm I'm not really like I'm I am actually more interested in just in just as you said, just going along for the ride and seeing what happens and seeing what what the mystery is. Like it'll it'll be I think it's a chance for Genelise Coleman's character to step up. Because she's sort of been this person who's been along for the ride, but you haven't really, you've mostly been seeing Eleven react to, who is this? What is this? Rather than seeing Clara come into her own. So I'm actually more interested to see them save what they're doing with Clara than necessarily like what's going to happen with Twelve. If that makes sense. Like I'm, I'm more excited just because as, as Bo stated before, like this is the person who's ushering us into the new doctor ushering us in. Like I want to see what happens to Clara. And that's a good point too, because she isn't, you know, we, we understand now Clara's role in the universe, but we still don't really know her character all that well. So it's very interesting that she is the one that's ushering us in because we're really not yeah. that familiar with her like we have been in the past with some of the other companions. Right, because right, when we saw the pawns, we were seeing the pawns react to the Doctor, and now we're seeing the Doctor react to Clara. Like, the last half season has been the Doctor reacting to Clara, so we're that that, that tide is shifting again to companion reacting to doctor. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. I, I want to see, I don't want the story to center around Clara, uh, because I've had enough of that with, with (laughs) honestly, with, with the pawns and there's been enough of the companion being more important than the doctor. Uh, I certainly don't mind if, she has a strong role and does, you know, she obviously she's going to be ushering in Peter Capaldi's doctor and we'll, we'll see how that works out. But I want the doctor to return to being the central figure. I want him to be the most important thing in the universe. I want the story to center around him and how he handles situations. Uh, right. I don't want him to be so reactionary. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't want, uh, I, let's see. Yeah. Good call, Bo. Let me pause this thing in the midst of my speaking here. We're going to take a little break because actually the dog is looking at me with sad eyes right now. Aww. Yeah. Um, let's take five. Uh, is everybody cool for like maybe another half hour? Yeah. Yeah, okay, sure. Cool. We'll take a little break. That'll give me time to open up another bottle yeah, that's, of wine. Yeah, I like another beverage myself. All right. Yeah. Cool. So, um, pause time, pee break. Take five and uh, we'll be right back. Okay. Thank you so much for this toy, you silly goose. Ah. But in practice, I find that you never think to use them. You don't use them as much as you just use ice. Um, I'll wait till Beth gets back, but um, I, do, I, w- I was going to tell her about the one like surprising drink purchase that we made. Or it was a gift idea, actually, a couple years ago that was the wine aerator. Mm. That that changes your wine. What? Like if you've got like shitty, if you have shitty six dollar wine, it tastes like gold. You put mm. it through that thing. What is it? it? 
It tastes like eight dollar wine. <laughs> if you go wow. from... <laughs> nice. That was, was Chris's joke. That's a good joke. Okay, I'm back to you. All right, then it's time Beth. for the wine aerator. <laughs> yeah. Beth, you got to get a wine aerator. <laughs> I think we have. I, I, I don't think we've ever used I, it. I think somebody gave us one. We've never used it. I've always wanted one, but I usually drink such cheap wine, I didn't think it would be worth it. No, no, it totally upgrades your wine. Like, at least a couple dollars. Sweet. <laughs> so, wine aerator? Suddenly that Trader Trader Joe's wine is Trader Vic's wine. <laughs> totally. Nice. <laughs> Trading up, baby. Yeah. I, I had never been to Trader Vic's before Dragon Con this past year. It took you till this past year? Like, that's like every I, year. No, that's Thursday I'd night. I never, I, well, I'd never, I did Thursday one night before and it was kind of a disaster because I was too excited to be down there and I got way too drunk and it kind of ruined my Friday. So oh. this year I was slightly more responsible. But I didn't understand the Mai Tais and how dangerous they were. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, yep. that place is pretty good. <laughs> I don't, all right, let's get back into, uh, this business. So wine aerator and uh I was gonna quickly mention a kitty litter cake. Google Google oh, huh? Google kitty litter Same cake. Somebody, somebody made that at a party I went to. I wanna to. make one now They're... and bring it to a party because Ooh. that's funny stuff. All right. Uh you'll have a lot to take home because no one wants to eat it. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, yes. that looks awful. <laughs> Bonus, you get your Tupperware back. It's not it's not a party where you're gonna lose your Tupperware. I want, I want the one with the plastic bag in it and everything. That's awesome. Um all right, so we'll get back to Doctor Who. I was in the middle of something or other. That'll be fun to edit. Uh three, two, <laughs> one. Uh, so really, Peter Capaldi... And we're back! And we're back! From talking about wine and kitty litter. Uh, I, honestly, I don't want to go on too long because Beth wrote an amazing piece for Needless Things. That's needlessthingssite.com uh, that kind of said everything that I would say about Peter Capaldi. So uh, let's go ahead and kick it over to Beth. What What do you want out of this guy? Well, I, I don't want to give people a reason not to read the post I wrote for oh, you. Oh, they'll all read it anyway. <laughs> there can never be enough Beth. But uh, I definitely want to see a, a more dignified doctor again. And I, I think that given Peter Capaldi who he is, we will probably easily get that. But I'm tired of goofy doctor. I'm tired of silly quips and banter and I'm, I'm tired of Stephen Moffat doctor because it's kind of turning into coupling a little bit too much for my taste um, so I want a little more dignified doctor you know I didn't know John Pertwee and William Hartnell when I first started with the doctor but those are some dignified bastards yeah mm-hmm. so I'd, I'd definitely like to see that come back and I think Part of the reason we haven't had that so long is because the Doctor's been getting progressively younger and younger, and it's hard to be the center of the universe and in charge when you're, you know, 26. Yeah. So I think we'll we'll get that with the new Doctor. Yeah, even though Matt Smith is very good at, at sort of imparting uh, a certain heaviness and wisdom, because he I can do that. Plays, yeah. Uh, he, he can do that. He, he can feel... Like, he has the weight of ages on his shoulders. He, he can get that across, but he's not always written that way. 
And and I and I, I agree think, with you. Yeah, I see that more in in his in his performance than in the writing. In a way that that David Tennant never. I didn't. I didn't get a sense of his age from David Tennant that I do from from Matt Smith. As much. You, you well, didn't I, I get think... it from Tennant. No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, in, it, when seeing Eleven, who who in my opinion looks younger than David Tennant. Sure. Um, I think that he plays the the ancient Time Lord on the inside better than David Tennant did. Yeah. I, I would agree with that when he has the opportunity to do so. Correct. But but he does. Yeah, I think a lot of my gripes, my gripes with Paul, with uh, Matt Smith, go back to my gripes with Paul McGann. It wasn't his fault necessarily. It was the way he was written. Absolutely. And he was written as very silly. McGann would have would have been. I mean, and he is. I mean, I've heard him. <laughs> he's he's stellar. Well, just in yeah. just in the the you know six and a half minutes of the Night of the Doctor. He goes yeah. from, you know, he has a couple of, of quick, smart lines, but they don't come off as, as, uh, flippant or whimsical. They're just a clever man talking quickly. And, uh, you know, when she says, you've got four minutes to live, four minutes, that's all the time in the world. It's, it's clever old school Doctor Who rather than silly quips. Uh, and, and he does just carry himself with, with this weight. That Matt Smith hits every once in a while, but I, I do think I'm very excited that they were brave enough to go with an older Doctor because yes. that that I was mean, well they couldn't get much younger well, <laughs> right yeah it would literally have Doctor Babies they the like Matt Smith has represented the escapism and the 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 person who's not wanting to face the time war and not wanting to face the past and I think with this this current the current storyline, I have a feeling, is going to go more into the time war and the doctor wanting to, uh, instead of run away from his sins, possibly actually face them. So, and that that's and, and I don't know if if they're going to be able to keep Clara going, honestly, unless she they really step her up. I don't mm-hmm. see her character as it is currently written having a whole lot of time left. Well, yeah, I think that I agree. I think they've played out the her mystery is solved. It's all been about the mystery of Clara. What's the impossible girl? Well, we, now we know. So now what do you do with yourself? And I think that we'll see her as the the caretaker companion who understands the Doctor in a way that no other companion has ever had will. And maybe, you know, maybe we're going to see a really difficult regeneration. You know? The gen- g- g- regenerations can go south real quick. And... um I think that it would be wonderful to see a little bit of eight. I, you know, without the crazy costume, um, you know, but that, I mean, eight's an asshole. Six. And, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, six. I apologize. I would love yeah, to see six, that you know. done right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's what we could see with Capaldi is that that arrogance, but and that um, and, intolerance. and darkness and yeah, darkness and intolerance and unreasonableness. That, that was sort of, that we, that didn't really get noticed because we were so busy, you know, shielding our eyes from, from the gaudiness of, of, uh, of the outfit that, you know, to, to get that curmudgeon asshole doctor, um, 
and then and then have him go on a journey and then have him come back around just like Six did in the audio. Well, that's um, I, I I like that thought very much. However, I think at the t- at where Doctor Who is right now, it's at mm-hmm. its apex of recognition. And right. I think it might be a better move to maybe almost revisit a latter-day Hartnell where he became mm-hmm. a little more kind. He was still he was still a bit of a curmudgeon. He was still a little difficult to get along with, but he was always the smartest guy in the room. Uh, but he was he was uh, very slightly more grandfatherly, mm-hmm. uh, more more custodial, I guess. Yeah. I, because I don't think at this point in the franchise, I don't think it would be a good idea. As much as I, I would be interested to see it, I don't think you want to make the Doctor off-putting because they're never going to have a better opportunity to capture eyes than they're going to have after this 50th anniversary special. Right. Uh, and yeah, right. I, I kind of would like to know a little bit more about John Hurt's Doctor too. I, I feel like we're probably going to get just this one episode with him, and then we'll move That's on. Be such a tease. But I'd like to know. I know. I'd like to know more about him and, and see his adventures a little bit. You know, they don't have somebody that old running around through space. I, I think it would be really interesting to see what he could do and, and would do with it. And then, you know, maybe how he went from being the doctor to making wands for Harry Potter. How did, how did he get there? Do you think that we'll get audios from William Hurt? I, I doubt it because he's John Hurt. I, I just Sorry. don't. <laughs> Yeah, William Hurt, that would be interesting. Um, I just don't see John... Wasn't he in Sharknado? <laughs> oh, no. Um, I think he was. I don't see John Hurt sticking around for more than than the fifth, than the Day of the Doctor, just because he's John Hurt. I, I don't think we'll get it, but it, it would be cool. Oh, it would be fantastic. I mean, I, I would... But- that would be great. Just as a just as a side note, I do want to say that it's fascinating that a lot of the actors who've been involved with Doctor Who have moved on to do other things, and they haven't gotten like the weird Friends curse where they don't get like move on to do any sort of movies or shows after after its air. Like everybody who's been involved with it seems to have gone on to to come into further fruition since the reboot. Yeah. Just in since general, that. like just since the, uh, since the, even since 63. Other, I mean, obviously, unfortunately, other than people who have passed, but most of the people involved with that show are just like, alright, I'm done with that. And then they, it's not like the, the typecast doesn't get, that cloth well, I mean, doesn't did get draped. Tom Baker over. get a whole lot of work after Doctor Who? He got a lot of great Doctor Who recap work. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did all the intro bits for the the Shada that they pieced well, together. Sylvester, Sylvester McCoy uh, has managed to have an amazing career in the theater, and of course went on to be Radagast the Brown uh, in Lord mm-hmm, of the Rings. Yeah. Although that was because he was the seventh Doctor. Um, yeah. Colin Baker uh, also has done some theatrical stuff, but he contented himself with basically being the best ambassador of Doctor Who ever. Uh, yeah. He was the guy who basically made Big Finish happen. He went on mm-hmm. to continue to be the sixth Doctor and redeem himself through Big Finish's audience. Because when Big, yeah. fin- oh, Big so Finish good. started off as a bunch of fans who had an idea to just do audio plays to continue Doctor Who when Doctor Who stopped being a thing. 
And the BBC said, I, I, insane. The BBC said okay yeah. to some fans. Uh, mm-hmm. and they got Colin Baker and he did his thing. And then they got, you know, they got all, they ended up getting all of the doctors uh, right up until, uh, the light at the end, which features all of the living, uh, classic doctors to working together, which is amazing. I would love to get an Evelyn Smythe companion for after Clara. I know it won't happen, but the, the old lady with a handbag companion, like, well, almost, almost Donna-ish. No, I mean Donna. Donna still had friends and went out and drank, and she was still, you know, she, yeah, she, she still she, lived with her parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Evelyn, Evelyn, Evelyn was a history teacher, an old woman history teacher. You know, um, and and but was very similar. Is most in companions is most similar to Donna. In that, I'm not going to take any of your shit. Who the fuck do you think you are, Mr. Right. Alien Man? You know, um, t- type of companion, but, but, I, yes, like Donna, but, but more, yeah. <laughs> like, a, um, like, a, uh, like, that a, was um, concise. Thank you. Like Papa uh, Noble, more like Papa Noble than like Donna yeah. Noble. Which I will say one of my favorite like a Betty moments White, in the series. A Betty White yeah. companion. Yeah, like just an old, like a but person. But not Betty White. Right. <laughs> a person who is in their British twilight years seeing space is like one of the most entertaining things on television. Like I find that, I find that so loving and so fascinating. Well, and that, that is an interesting. Yeah, I was so sad Wilfred never got to go along for a ride. Yeah. They should have taken Wilfred somewhere. Wilfred got the doctor <laughs> killed and I, I just can't like him. I really can't. <laughs> I, I have been attacked viciously online for not liking Wilfred. Oh, but he, he was a sign of the end of times. Exactly. He was just a sad old man, you heartless <laughs> bastard. But you're right. There is uh, somebody, an older person, who, who already feels like they've seen it all, and then the doctor comes along and opens up even more. Like, yeah. uh, that That would be but I think that- nice. Yeah, but with an older doctor, I think that there's that's even less oh, yeah. reason to get a young to get an older companion. Yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right. You know, you're not going to have the old people show. And you, you have an interesting um, point about Clara as well. I don't know what her expiration date is now because I don't see. And granted, we have no idea what the new doctor is going to be like personality wise. He could be harsh. He could be mellow. There's really no telling. But I don't see her sass working as well with an older guy like that. Yeah. Because it Well, I think I think that I I I knowing what I've seen of Peter Capaldi, I think that there's going to be anger. There's a, there's mm. a question. Did you guys all know are were you all familiar with him prior to this? I'd only seen I've I've watched I had a friend who said right after they announced it I was like you have to watch this and he sat me down and and he had me watch a couple of clips of the show that he's on. Um, and so I've seen that fire inside of him, um, which I'm looking forward to seeing him as the doctor a great deal. Um, Dana and Beth. I only saw the, not, but they might not go that way. I only saw the um, small part that he had in World War Z. That's all I knew okay. him from. So I don't really have a lot of expectation because he didn't really have much to right. do in that. 
Right. I and that, that's me as well. I just saw him in in World War Z, and I and he's he is a character actor. I know I have seen in other things, but that's well, you've seen him in Doctor Who. <laughs> I, right, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I I wasn't the the only thing because we did we did a whole episode uh, of of ESW speculating uh, about who the next Doctor was going to be before they announced him, and it just you know for me it was like well it doesn't matter it's going to be some British guy I'm not familiar with, like I I don't follow really British television I, I don't. Oh, but I was I was so hoping it was going to be Idris Elba, but then at the same time I knew that if it was going to be Idris Elba, I wouldn't see him in other things. Right? That so. was, yeah, and that's he'd be awesome, but I think he's too well known. Yeah, he's almost yeah. They yeah, always go for somebody you don't know. I think after yeah. Thor, he was too big. Like I, mm-hmm. I think that's what got it for him, and then and then Pacific Rim. I mean, really, that he was the main mm-hmm. character of that movie essentially. Um. But yeah, that would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. I, and, and and you know what? Going back to them talking to talking about the doctor being female. Uh, do you I don't think, think it will happen. well not not just female no. though uh, another race? Uh, do you think I see that happening before a woman? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's like they kept saying about, you know, they were talking about making James Bond a woman. I, I could see a black James Bond happening before I could see a woman James Bond, and it's kind of the same with the Doctor. Who cares what race he is or what color he is or even if he's, you know, some other different kind of alien body. I don't see a woman doing it the same. Sorry, well, Time Lords are, I mean, Time Lords are humanoid. I mean, you know, or humans are Time Lord, you know, Time Lord, well, whatever you want to call it. I think I think removed from television, like if this were just something that existed out in the world, it easily I think it easily could have been a woman. But the, for the fact that this is something we're enjoying as entertainment, mm-hmm. um, I think that's the block. Is it's it's interesting to see uh, yeah. men the, the travel day, throughout time and still be able to go throughout time in a, in a position of power or be able to blend in easily, but. I don't yeah. know. I think it's... well. At the end of the day, you got to you know there are people who who have very get paid lots of money, more money than they deserve to make decisions about what people see on TV and what they think they know, and you know they're they're not gonna. Well, this is we know what we know what people want. Yeah, they're not gonna endanger their paychecks. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think I think the fact that we're getting an older doctor. Is about as much as we can really, really. Well, and how hope funny for. is that? That that is oh. such a brave move. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> then the doctor's old. Then he's old. Yeah, great. he's yeah. the oldest. He's the oldest of uh-huh. this new, like, two thousand five yep. incarnation. Yeah, I think I think that we're doctor. lucky. We're lucky to have that, and to not have, you know, the kid from Chronicle being the next doctor. You know, um, <laughs> that was a great because he's the hot thing. Movie, though. Yeah, it is a great fucking movie, but I I think that the the fact that we're getting an older an older doctor is really we should be thankful for that, and that that's about as much and, as we can I realistically am, and, expect. Uh, and honestly, uh, when you start talking about race and gender and all that sort of thing, uh, you know, on the one hand, yeah, it would be nice to say, well, it really doesn't matter as long as the stories are good and as long as the characters interesting, but there is also that element of well, do you do that just because? Like, is there a good organic mm. reason 
to to change the gender or the race of the doctor when the doctor for for 12 incarnations now has been a white dude is there is there a good will you really be able to tell better stories will you really be able to enhance the longevity of the franchise or is it just one of those like well let's just do it because that would be neat yeah and, and that's that would be the I don't think it's that that would be neat. I think it's, it's truthfully, this could be, the doctor could be anybody, is that you never know what they're going to reappear like. And, and, and I think that they've made a very good point in the night of the doctor to, to drive oh, yeah. that point home. These are all the they things you could be. We as yeah. the show, yeah, we as the show are <laughs> accepting on record, in canon, that this is what could happen because that is what should be able to happen in our modern PC right. world that we live exactly. in. But is that the kind of well, decision network executives are going to make? Absolutely not. I mean, River regenerated and she was black at one point, so we, we know it already can yeah. happen. Yeah. Oh, sure. We know it can. And I think that they're it's great of them to acknowledge that it could, but... They still got toys to sell. You've got a million little British young boys who want to believe that they can be the doctor one day. You've got a bunch of girls who want to fly away with the doctor. They don't want to fly away with the girl doctor. They want to fly away with the man doctor. It will happen, but we're not there yet. I, I, I think that's the bottom line. And honestly, I still say I think that could work into their workaround for, oh, we're out of regenerations. I, I think that would be a good time to say, you know what, it's time for a female doctor, and this is how it happens. I just have to say that it, it is actually, it's very depressing to me that there have been 12 incarnations of this, and they're like, the possibility of a woman is out there, well, but, but it hasn't happened. Like, I do find that. Like, don't don't even make that a possibility. Say it's always going to be a dude. Don't even get my hopes up, because if you say it's a possibility and you have 12 and none are... A woman. That but sucks. I think now that it's been said, it will happen. It may not be the next because they're obviously they're not going to. Peter Capaldi is not going to be the last Doctor. That's not going to happen because now John Hurt is technically now. I don't know what their explanation is going to be for this, but he's sort of to me he's Doctor Eight B. Like I think of him as Eight. But it's B. been established that the, I think the women of Karn, I think they'll, they'll that, the that's a legit limit. regeneration. It's already been established that that is that they have, because in Brain of Morbius they established that they helped with regenerations. So technically, John Hurt is the ninth Doctor. Christopher Eccleston is the tenth. David Tennant's the eleventh. Matt Smith is the twelfth. And Peter Capaldi is the final regeneration. That is... Now, well, they also say, they also say that they're... Science of regeneration. Oh, sure. They Gallifrey. can do whatever they want. I mean, this is television. Yeah, and, well, and I think that you'll see. I think that you will see the end of the of the the twelve regenerations. Well, with and the I, day I think. Well, I see. Yeah. I don't know. I think they would. But they've they've never officially called him the Doctor. Every single piece of print has called him right. the War Doctor. No one has called him. Plain out, flat out, the doctor. I think he is a, and not necessarily a bastardization, but that is like the closest term in the English language that I can think of at the moment of what they're considering him at but right now. And we even, even well, if he has sure, a different but that name, doesn't mean exactly. it's not a regeneration. But in the, if the thing is though, the bottom line is it doesn't matter because Doctor Who. 
they're they're yep. that's true. they're going there you to go. find some kind of workaround. They're going to find a way to Doctor Who. They're right. out of when their way Fitz out of Doctor Who. Gets tired of being the Doctor. They're not going to cancel the show. And they're not going to limit it. Like they're never going to limit the regenerations. Just like when they used to limit like fixed right, points right. in time. Like they definitely got rid of fixed points. Yeah. So when they said twelve regenerations, they they were thinking there's no right. way the show's going right. to go to twelve. They never imagined. That's not even fifty years. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know what twelve. Yeah. Sure. That that's a, that's a yeah. nice big number. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, if they thought it was going to go on that long, they'd have said, like, oh, you get 50 but, regenerations. But to address Dana's point, I think we're going to see a female doctor. It may not be within the next five years. Uh, I think it will be within the next ten. I, it's going to happen at this point. I, I would put money on it. Um, well, didn't didn't Romana, when she regenerated, she got to pick well, what she wanted to be. And I know that was the Douglas Adams well, episode, but she got to choose. Doctor. When after the war games, uh, the Time Lords pulled the second doctor back to Gallifrey and told him that for his interference in the timeline, he was going to be punished, but they told him he could choose his regeneration. They've, they've had it established for decades now that there is choice in the regeneration process. So maybe he's just comfortable being a white dude, you know, maybe that's just what he wants to be. Well, there's a difference. There's a difference between a forced regeneration or a um, or regeneration by choice, which is sort of what Romana right. did. Romana was like, "I'm right. going to regenerate," and dying and having it and having your regeneration happen. You have no when you when you are dying and your time lord body regenerates. You right. don't. There's no choice. It just happens. Your cells are regenerating exactly. to whatever they're. You're, you're, roll, you're well, rolling the dice. You're rolling the dice, and, and you don't know what you're going to get. You're, re- you're reallocating your stat points, and it's all random, you know. Um, but with what Romana did, it was, and what with what with the the sisters of Karn allowed the Eighth Doctor to do was there was a choice, and what the what right. the Time Lords did, and- there was a choice. When it's not when you're not on the brink brink of death, and it's not happening on its own, which is which is what it is. I mean, your generation is a defense mechanism. Well, and you know, but when it's done on purpose. And all you can any choose. of that does that all of that is not establishing rules. That's establishing malleability. That's establishing that there are right. many different ways that this can happen. That it's it's a process that they have not actually defined. They've only said, well, it can happen like this, this, and this, but they haven't said it can't happen like this. So I mean there there's yeah. plenty of wiggle room there. Um Oh yeah, I think let's uh, let's go ahead on and move to our favorite stories. Uh, What is if your story that either defines Doctor Who for you, or is the one story that you were just like, "Wow, this is what got me into Doctor Who," or maybe is one that if you had somebody that had never seen Doctor Who, you'd say, "Hey, check this one out." Um, Beth, let's start with you on this one. Well, that's kind of two different things for me. So if I had somebody who'd never seen Doctor Who before, I would definitely have them watch Blink. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's a good, light episode to get into, but it's still real scary. Um, as far as my favorite... It has time travel in it. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was tough. I kind of narrowed it down to Genesis of the Dialects and uh, Earthshock. And Earthshock not just because <laughs> Adric dies in it. Earthshock was... <laughs> 
Earthshock was good before Adric died. Glitter God. <laughs> but it had the Cybermen in it, and they're always really good villains. Um, Genesis of the Daleks was, of course, the first time you see Davros, yeah. which was awesome. But those are, I, I couldn't pick between the two. And it's two different doctors, but again, it's my two favorite doctors. So they're both good in their own right. But somebody new, I would, I would have them watch Blink. And then from the new generation, I would say, uh, the doctor's wife would be my favorite episode. Yeah. Ah. Uh, now let me ask you this. Cause Neil Gaiman did a great job. said that. So the doctor's wife, I, I think, it, does everybody agree the doctor's wife is pretty fucking amazing? It's, yeah, I mean, well, it's he, certainly better. Well, than and that's Nightmare where I was going. Was <laughs> Nightmare and Silver was I? I, I, I thought it was terrible. I, I've never, I've never, I, I've been a Neil Gaiman fan for uh, you know, well, like everybody else. When I was in high school, and I was sad, and I wore a lot of black, and and oh, and you read, you read right, Death right, and, oh. I, oh, the high, yeah, exactly, of and Sandman and all that, you know, all the Vertigo stuff, and Neil Gaiman was the smartest man on the planet. Uh, so I, I mean, I dug that, and then when when the Doctor's wife came on, I was like, yes, that's exactly what Neil Gaiman does with Doctor Who. Of course, who would ever think he wouldn't write one of the greatest Doctor Who stories of all time? But then Nightmare on Nightmare in Silver happened, and you're like, did he hire some like kid to write this for him? But it's also well, like, okay. what Warwick Davis so- was best in that he's ever been in anything. Yeah, I <laughs> Dana, Dana, oh, what were you saying? Know, Willow's pretty good. But I, with with any of these shows, like you think about how a season is built, and it's not just like oh, like it's 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 not like he was like I want to write this episode. Like somebody probably just handed him sort of the uh, I guess what what was going on in the show bible and said like all right, we got to do an episode with the kids in it, and you're on it, and uh, you got to clinch it. So I mean. Like, and make I, the Cybermen scary again. Yeah, yeah. And then like, drop the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and then fail that. That's true. <laughs> so I think, I think it's a, it's a combination of dropping the ball and then also just being handed sort of like a weird. I agree. A yeah. weird position. And I will say that because I love Neil Gaiman and I just, I, I think that a part of that is my own denial. <laughs> um, I just, I don't want to believe that, like, he's. Didn't happen. He's one of the best oh authors gosh, of all right. time. Like, I don't. I don't understand. Well, with somebody like Neil Gaiman, though, do you think they really gave him a whole lot of parameters, or do you think they just said, okay, so you're going to write another episode, and you're fucking they awesome did. at it, so go. Well, we know they that, did. I will say that Mirror Mask is one of the worst things I've ever watched, so you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Anything can happen, but yeah, it was... We know, we know with the Doctor's Wife, they were like, okay, so you've written this other character. Well, how about we use an Ood instead, because we've mm-hmm. already got one of those. You know, um, that he had written this other character that was all made yeah, out of all yeah. these different parts, like really yeah. made out of different parts. And Everyone, they were like, well, we've got an Ood mask. But so that's, that's what, what happens. Everyone <laughs> deserves a mulligan. That's my that's my thing. Everyone deserves at least one mulligan. Get it out of your system. Yeah. I wouldn't want to write Neil Gaiman off of no, doing no, Doctor Who episodes because of Nightmare and Silver, for sure. Because the awesomeness yeah. of the Doctor's Wife far outweighs the shittiness of Nightmare and Silver. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it wasn't the worst no, thing I've I ever seen. Liked, it's just forgettable. It was yeah. no and I liked, uh, well, <laughs> I liked the difference in the Cybermen. I liked the fact that they were not the Cybus Cybermen because I, I really, 
like I, I said, the Cybermen are my favorite Doctor Who villains. They fucking terrify me. Uh, they're creepy from Tomb of the Cybermen all the way up till Silver Nemesis. Uh, but I hated the Cybus Cybermen. I liked what they did with them, but I hated how they looked. Mondas is a tough sell, dude. Mondas uh, is a tough yeah, sell. But it's yeah, Doctor they, Who, like they had to man. reinvent them. I know. Come on. I know. I know. Uh, and they were like, dude, have you Earth's listened, sister have planet? You listened, have you listened Poppy to spare cock. parts? Let me just yeah, tell everybody everybody that's, listening to this right now, good if story. you doubt for one second the Big Finish audio stuff, just download spare parts. If you don't like it, let me know. I will fucking give you your money back. Because that shit yeah. is incredible, and that is the... St- okay, how much does spare parts cost to download? Because this might be a lot of money that you no, owe people back, and uh, I just... All eight people right, who are going to exactly. listen to this? <laughs> like, you're far overestimating our listener, our, our people that follow this show. But no, honestly, it's ju- it's not even that. It's that I have that much faith that anybody would listen to... Well, anybody anybody who was like predisposed it. to enjoy like Doctor Who will listen to spare parts and be like, holy shit, that was amazing. Yeah. I'm going to admit I've never listened to any of the audio plays. I've, I've seen a few of the cartoons that have, uh, you know, the cartoons that right, David right. Tennant did, and those were okay, um, but I haven't done any I, of the audio I stuff. I will get you some audio stuff. There's, it's, it's like the well does not run, does oh not run dry. Spare parts. They go on and on and on and on and on and on. It's so good. And all just for the Eighth Doctor, just for getting to actually experience him at – and have him come into his own. Yeah, and, but all the other doctors have 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 played as well. And spare spare parts. Spare parts is a Peter Davison uh, story, and he he is in it with uh, Nissa. Is Tegan in it? I can't remember right now. Is the Egyptian no. chick in that one? Um. Okay. Tegan's in it. Sarah's in it. Um. Everybody from you're right. It is Tegan and Nissa. You're right. You're right. Oh. Um. But it's it's fantastic. It's it's a tremendous story, and it ties directly into the Tenth Planet, uh, which is the original uh, Second Doctor story to introduce the Cy- or uh, no First Doctor First Doctor story to introduce the Cybermen, and it's it's amazing. But uh, yeah, I will try it out. Yeah, I will try it I'll out. get you. I've I've got. I, I'll get. You, I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. Um, all right. So <laughs> my I'm going to go with my favorite story, which is really tough because I want to say Terror of the Zygons because it's the first one I saw and it's got the Loch Ness Monster and it's got Tom Baker and I love it but my favorite story and a story that I would show to people who may not be so hip to like classic Doctor Who is City of Death which is written by Douglas Mm. Adams uh, who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Uh, has a guest appearance by John Cleese and it has... Just a wacky ass time traveling story about <laughs> art theft. It takes place in Paris, and granted, there's a whole lot of "ooh, look, we're in Paris" going on in it. But <laughs> yeah, it's there is yeah. Romana Let's and, run and through Paris again. Paris, yeah. Yes, I'm gonna hold no, my hat. When no, we run for through, reals, yeah. guys. We're in Paris. Uh, <laughs> we had the budget right, to go right. to uh, Paris. traveling, not just through time. Oh, it's like all the all the shots that they did at the desert when they were doing that doctor special. Right, 
right. with ten. Exactly. We're in the desert. Have you seen us in the desert? Because we're totally in the um, desert. But really, City of Death. <laughs> oh, but it has it has a great villain too. I love that yes, silly seaweed mask. Guys, and and I there was a guy at TimeGate last year dressed as uh, uh, Jagaroth. Um, why did I say? Oh, Sikorax? gotta have that somebody who's obscure. Jagaroth. Uh, <laughs> in that costume, and it was fantastic. But uh, City of Death is funny, it's clever, it's classic Doctor Who, it's Tom Baker, it's Lala Ward, uh, it's it's just awesome. It's such a good story, and even if you don't know, I, well, I, I can't obviously say this objectively, but I feel like even if you don't know anything about Doctor Who, um, you could enjoy this story. It's very accessible, it's very fun, and it, it features... It's very yes, Parisian. Yes, it's very Parisian. There's lots of Paris. Uh, but that's... And yeah, it's very and, Douglas and, Adams. See, that's what, that's yeah. definitely something it's got going for it. But I, I, I can watch that story anytime. Out of all the Doctor Who that I own at this point, that's one that I could put in at any time and watch and enjoy. Uh, Dana, what what's yeah. your favorite story that you've seen? Um, I feel like I touched upon it a little bit earlier because I, I want to say that like the one that I've revisited the most is Doomsday. Um, out of anything is like that saying goodbye and like the reunion, the weird like vortex reunion on yeah. at Bad Wolf Bay. Like that's that's like I just I have such a weird emotional tie to that moment of Ten and Rose. Um, but I'll also say that I, I really, really love, um, not just like the way that the Pandorica opens and the girl who waited overlap, like that weird, um, the, just how, um, the pawns interact with each other, just that, that their relationship, those are the two most interesting, um, examples of, of how they feel about each other is Rory waits on Amy hand and foot and then she, she does the same, but in like a survivalist method. Like those are my, I think my two favorite arcs is Rose and Ten, and then Amy and Rory and how yeah. they care for each other in I, their I, respective I totally ways. Agree with you so. I, I messed up. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not too manly to admit. Every single time the Doctor and Rose are on that beach, I get misty like a little girl. Oh God! I I tried to like figure out how to make a good GIF of like whatever was happening there. Like I was trying to get like a good screen grab because I would just like I'd have to like go back in my Netflix account and be like, no, I just got to see the Doomsday yeah. mode again. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing. It, so. It's so powerful, and and that to me is a testament to the bond that David Tennant and Billy Piper had made throughout. Like, because you can't you can't fake the emotions that were on the screen there. It's that's know. so powerful. And then yeah, seeing Rory uh saying, Oh, I, I was standing guard over you for thousands of years. My gosh, yeah. the same thing with that one. I I get you know, that affects me. Both of those. Yeah, and then in seeing his story change and then seeing how it changed sort of this parallel Amy, like what oh, waiting gosh, does. Yeah. Yeah. And what linear time does to these people, I think, is because you don't with the doctor, he kind of jumps around and he he's lived for hundreds of years. And but you don't see it the same way you see these characters that are like, well, no, I've been the same 
incarnation for this many years, and this is what I look like now right, after right. waiting. Well, and that, that, I was find that, a, fascinating. that was such a powerful aspect of Rory's devotion is, you know, Rory literally stayed with her throughout time while the doctor has never done that for anybody. He flits in and out of time right. as he pleases. He drops back in. Even mm-hmm. even with uh, Series 7A, the first half of Series 7, you know, he's dropping in to visit the ponds when he feels like it. He's he's not staying with yeah. them. He's not dev- Hey, everybody. Uh, we had a little bit of difficulty there with the audio. We lost a bit of the story because the call recorder that I use for Skype uh, failed on me. But I went back and we redid a little bit. Uh, we we lost some of the original talking, but now there's extra talky, and I think it turned out okay. So anyway, that's why there's an abrupt end to the conversation and why there's an equally abrupt beginning Again, here where we try to pretend that nothing happened, even though it did, and I thought it was best just to drop this in here and say, "Hey, uh, there was a fuck up," but uh, don't let it affect your enjoyment of the rest of this podcast because we're almost to the end. People, hang in there. between seven and ace is there's a moment when ace is like you've known the you know the, the, the that story really unfolds and unfolds and unfolds and unfolds and unfolds and it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until you realize that it that the doctor's been aware of what's been going on the entire time and he's been manipulating all these different groups and this is very seven you know the the the, the chess player manipulator seven that he is um it's it's a very iconic seven episode um my only what i don't like about it is that it's actually not a she's in this dress the whole time and is way more girly than she normally is um yeah but yeah i agree with that that yeah that pulls me out of that one because i still love curse of fenric because it very much defines seven and ace's relationship mm-hmm. and what he puts her through but you're right they they kind of and this is going to be a weird term they kind of emasculated her for yes. the story. No, they did. They really did. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's in that. She's in that goofy dress. And and I thought my initial response when I watched it, and I was like, like I didn't even remember she was in the dress. And she's in that dress the whole the whole time. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, why? And then she spends the whole episode carrying around that giant backpack just as she can carry her jacket around. That's all she carries. She, and then she pulls right. that ladder out of it out of nowhere. Like, oh, and by the way, I've got this giant ladder in here. Um, which I guess is why she was really carrying it around. Um, but, but she's so unlike Ace and, and they're, they're try- obviously they're trying to make Ace like you see her sort of being into a woman and having romantic feelings for guys and, and, and all that. And then they just kind of throw it all up. They're just, she, she, she has all these beautiful moments of growth as a character where she finally stands up to the doctor and she was like, you, you've been playing everybody here. You, you're not even honest with me. How are you not even honest with me? I, people's, people are dying like crazy all over the place. Like tons of people are dying. And you're just keeping all this to yourself. You won't tell even me. And it's one of those great, 
moments of the companion calling the doctor out on his on his bullshit and and then it's just kind of thrown away at the end and i and i remember it being this really defining moment where things really got kind of like i think like ace was ready to leave uh and then in rewatching it, it's just sort of she gets this great speech, and then it's sort of like, oh well, never mind. Here we go, professor. Um, and and it's all just sort of blown off, and and that was kind of disappointing. So um, I don't think it is my I, I, favorite now in retrospect. I th- in I think in the context, I think in the context of the time though, yeah. it's still very powerful because the only other person that had kind of called him out like that was Sarah yeah. Jane. Oh, Sarah Jane. Mm. And like she, she, Ace, they were building this relationship that never got to fully happen. Uh, they did what they could with survival, but then, you know, that was the end. And, and I think given more opportunity to pursue Whatever the doctor's grand plan was for Ace, we would have seen a lot more than what than what we saw. Well, in the audios, but they, you know, Curse of Fenric was very. Yeah, near the they end. really explore in the audios this idea of of Seven and Ace as the overthrowers of authoritarianness. There's a lot of audios yes. bet- where they show up in some big author authoritarian society and just infiltrate and destroy it. From like the ground up, and it's great that they're like that. That they're these anarchists. They they show up in these places, and, and they're just, just they're total just Sex Pistols punk rock. Yeah, yeah. they are. A little, yeah, you absolutely. Know? And, and there's one. There's one. I don't remember the name of this one uh, of the audio, but it's in a futuristic society, and Ace becomes like the leader of the rebellion, like the shadowy leader. Like she's separated from Seven for most of the episode. And there's like some reporter and they go to meet her and, and she's the big, the big reveal is that Ace is the mastermind behind the, the big rebellion. And it's, and it's fantastic. I think that might be the one where they pick up Hex actually. Um, who is, uh, the descendant of, um, uh, the, 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 the six kid, the, um, six companion who I like so much. Um, the old lady. I think. Is, yeah, yeah. Is, isn't Hex turns out to be Evelyn's descendant? I think I'm not as well versed in the audio oh, stuff anyway. as you are. Um, but I, yeah, but but my as far as the new stuff goes, I, I totally agree that Blink is a great episode to bring people who've never seen Doctor Who on. I think Girl in the Fireplace is probably my second favorite to bring people in on because it really shows. I mean, you know, ten jumps through a mirror on a horse. I mean. Mm-hmm. You don't think that, <laughs> you know, if that doesn't sell you on it. And plus, it's got a lot of timey whininess. And I think that those are my favorite of the newer episodes is like, especially with, um, I don't know the name of the episode, but where there's a, a lot of timey whininess uh, when, when Amy's trapped in the Pandorica. Um, and he's mm-hmm. doing all, the, he's, he's doing all the stuff with young Amy and leaving all the, leaving all the clues and, yeah. and doing yeah. all the jumping around. I love that stuff. I really, really, really love when the doctor abuses his, his time travel. You know, when, 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 when time travel isn't just a plot device for when we arrive at the beginning of the episode and we leave at the end. It's more of like a Bill and Ted, like, okay, I'm going to leave a, a tape at this point in time yes. and then we're going to yeah, find I it. Love in the that stuff. Yeah. I love the fact that I hate it when the doctor's like, no, we can't use the time machine. Well, machine. I, you know? you're 
You're totally right about the girl in the fireplace because not only does it have a lot of the the time, but you're not using the uh, bending aspect. It's very easy to understand what's happening. Yes, because they're using a historical figure. Now, whether or not you're familiar with Madame de Pompadour, you understand that it's it's a, a, a you know a, peer, a a lady from a certain period of time, and you're following her throughout her life. That's very easy to grasp, yeah. and you can understand that that he is interacting with her at various segments of her life because of the way he interacts with time. And I think that's a brilliant choice for a newbie, uh, and and one honestly I hadn't really thought about. But it lays oh, yeah. it out in a very clear, easy to understand way. Mm-hmm. And and Blink is similar too in in a way that there's a lot of timey timey wiminess in there. In fact, that's you know where we hear the term for the first time, but it's not the TARDIS. It's not it's not the Doctor jumping right, around with right. the TARDIS. It, you know, and even even in um, the Pandora, even in the Pandorica stuff, he's using Rivers' device and not using right. the TARDIS to, to jump around. Um, well, and I th- I think you're right about uh, the girl in the fireplace and uh, about it, it's Blink because. When you remove the TARDIS, I honestly think it makes it a little bit easier to understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then once you understand this guy moves through time or that time is malleable, then you introduce the TARDIS and you can say, oh, okay, so now he's got this device that lets Right, him because even things. the TARDIS is hard for people to understand because, oh, it's bigger on the inside, but the TARDIS is a door that leads to another dimension, and that door is the thing that travels. It's, it's, it's sort of, it's a lot to sort of grasp at once, which is what the companion, like, that's the fun of introducing a new companion to it is... It's right. it's a door. It's a door, and yes, it leads to another dimension. But the dimension travels, and it's yeah, it's strange guys, to wrap your head around. And it's a callback. The, the, call the uh the the interview with Neil Gaiman talking about why he loved Doctor Who, talking about the elevator. Mm. Where no, I haven't. Oh, seen Oh, it's that. great. He well, he talks about you know growing up and Doctor Who and this idea that in this the that fantasy idea. It's it's that Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe idea of. What if when I open these doors, what's on the other side isn't what I expect? That there's this moment of infinite possibility before the elevator door opens. And just maybe it's not going to be the floor that's on the little sign above your head. You know, that there's a, that there, there absolutely could really be anything on the other side of those doors. And that's what Doctor Who is. It's a fantasy about the, that door opening, mm-hmm. and it could be and, and and they talk about it all the time when the doctor's like and, and that's what he gets off on more than anything is looking at that p- companion and looking at the door and going, "Do you want to see what's on the other side?" You know, yeah. Well, and, that's, and then he opens and, it, and, and they're like, oh, "Wow, yeah. we're in blah 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 blah," you know. And he, and that's been a point of the show oh, is that the TARDIS is unpredictable and that. You don't know exactly where right. you're going to show it's, up. Like he may. It's the gateway to possibility. It's yep. like showing yes. somebody here's yes. the next place that I'm going to. This is this is not the most interesting thing you'll see. The TARDIS right. is pretty right. cool, but I'm going to show you something even better. Yeah, that's that's what's so interesting about it is the TARDIS is this amazing, fantastic mechanism uh, full of infinite possibility, but it's not really the point. The point is where it takes you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I hate to do this. I'm not sure where this stupid Amalto recorder records 20 minutes at a time and then says, do you want to continue recording? I think we might have lost Beth and Dana's favorite stories. Can we go back, get those, and then close? Sure. Sure. Okay. Just in Um, case. Just Right. I'm not sure where it cut off. I know 10 minutes ago I turned it back on, and I don't think we lost more than five minutes, but I want to be sure and get what you guys said. Um. So let's let's just go back. We'll start with Dana and then go to Beth and and do that. It's going to be different. That's fine because woo. Um. So uh, right, yeah, because Doctor Who. Uh, Dana, what is your if if you had to pick one story that was kind of just your favorite, the one that really to you was Doctor Who. Uh, and if it's more than one, that's fine because it's Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. What, what's your What's your story? This is going to be a multi pronged approach. I will say that um, Doomsday is like that arc of ten in rows is my yeah. favorite, um, and the my the runner up to that would be just the the way the pawns waited for each other, the way that. Rory waits for Amy when the Pandorica is in hibernation and he becomes a centurion um, and just sort of follows her around. And the way that the, the flip side of that, of Amy waiting, waiting for Rory when she's on that weird, like, alternate white universe where time is aging in a different way and she becomes a survivalist. Yeah. Yes. That is my... Those are my two favorite. As far as introducing people to the show... Um, now, like if somebody wanted to pick up a uh, now and watch it, um, again, everybody's sort of cited blink as a fantastic episode, which it is. Um, but I will say that I've, I told somebody what I was told, which was just watch from the beginning and just know it gets better. <laughs> like watch from the beginning of the 2005. I don't know. I, so, okay. just like you, just like you said about the, 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 the mannequins with the magic hands, you know, um, I, I think having somebody watch something like Blink or, or, or Girl in the Fireplace first and then go back is mm-hmm. better a little bit. Because I think it whets their appetite and gives them something to look forward to. Because mm-hmm. it is a little, it is a bumpy start. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. If, if, cause I, I loved coming in as somebody who had already loved the classic series, mm-hmm. I loved Rose when it happened. Cause in the, that the 1996 movie did not, Rose captured Doctor Who for me uh the mm. the whole christopher eccleston was strange and enigmatic but at the same time uh, drew you in and was he just had it uh in in a way he's the most he seems the most like a homeless person out of anybody like out of the recent well, doctors yeah that makes sense. yeah yeah like a 10 and 11 both seem like just nutty professors and then nine seems like a guy in San Francisco that like something's gone wrong and he's schizophrenic and on the streets. Like that's the, the weird unpredictability. Like you don't understand what's wrong with him. But then all of a sudden he's just acting like he is a lunatic. Well, like lost. that's what's that's, he's lost. And yeah. that's, yeah. and, and we totally didn't lost. really find out until later, but it's because of the time war. He's, he's lost. Mm-hmm. He's adrift. He's, you know, all of, He's All rehabilitating. His, yeah. yeah, like yeah, he's, he's gone back to the only thing yeah. he knows, which is Earth, and, and, and that's yeah. and and he's it recovering. works. And and I'll tell you, um, 
in Doomsday, every single time I see uh, the Doctor and Rose on the beach, it, it kills me. It tears me up. It's it's so oh. emotional. Uh, and mm. then when Rory is is dropping his his story about uh. I waited for you thousands of years. I I've been protecting you all this time and my and became gosh. a badass in the process like let's yeah, talk yeah that's about true that. right like, and so stop being a bitch right. all the time right. although he's <laughs> well you have to start as the bitch to go but on he the did journey keep dying mm-hmm. no no i mean amy should stop being a bitch all the time <laughs> yeah he waited forever <laughs> oh, that's part of their dynamic yeah. though like he yeah. loves it he loves being well, and you're right. Rory, you're right. Rory that, Pons. that totally Rory is Pons. part of their dynamic. <laughs> I mean, he as and and it was interesting the way that they showed that every so often that that Rory really was in charge, but that illusion that Amy was the one bossing him around and, and pointing him around, but that she would have fallen apart without him. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's he's he is. The he's, he's totally he's the this, pillar. He's her support system. Um. Well, he's Amy's yeah. companion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's the one that we can relate to because you're sort of like it's hard to relate to Amy. Really, she's yeah. so weird and she's so just and you know, obsessed. And, she's so obsessed with this this imaginary person that nobody well, knows. Her life is totally screwed up. I mean, yeah. her life is crazy well, screwed up. Uh, you know, because of the and, crack in her wall, what? and which is all the doctor's fault. This just and, occurred and, you know. to me. I'd never thought about this before for even a second. But holy shit, how much is Amy a, a symbol, a cipher, or whatever you want to call it, for a Doctor Who fan? For somebody who found Doctor Who when they were a kid, mm-hmm. loved Doctor Who, yeah. was fucking obsessed with Doctor Who, and then Doctor Who went away. Mm-hmm. And you, mm-hmm. you had no Doctor mm-hmm. Who, and you couldn't stop thinking about it, but there was just no Doctor Who to be had, and then it came back. You shouldn't talk to anybody about it, because nobody I else knew what you I never thought about. about that before, but Amy is like the perfect fucking symbol of the Doctor Who fan. That's funny. That's, That's wild. Funny. Um... Beth, what what is your pick? What's what's your favorite? Okay, well, I couldn't pick just one because there are so many, and I've been watching for so very very long. Um, I kind of narrowed it down to like Genesis of the Daleks because that's the first time you get to see Davros, and that's the first time you get to see how really the craziness of what the Doctor can do is is he could go up. Back in time and stop the Daleks from ever happening well, if he wanted so to. Well, he's so tortured. Tom Baker but, is so fucking tortured in that story. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a tough really, decision really drives, to make. Yeah, and it, I think it really drives the Daleks home, too. I mean, it, you you learn more about them than you've ever really learned. You really see where they came from. And it, in a way, it, it, it humanizes them in a, to a degree. Um, cause it's like, oh wow, this, this, not just the Daleks are these weird crazy aliens who want to kill everybody, but that it's, that it's a back, especially back when it aired originally, that it's a very possible future right, outcome this could be for us. humanity. But for yeah, the grace of us. God, this could be us. Which, which brings the Daleks to and, a and then, new level of, you know, not only sinister intimidation, but also just good gosh with it that that could happen yeah what if we bred yeah what if we bred all of the goodness out of humanity what would be left well and then of course earth shock is also 
Earthshock is also one of my favorites, not just because Adric <laughs> dies, even though I want Adric to die so bad. But he had a math but award! It, <laughs> it was so glittery. Oh, that poor badge. <laughs> that poor badge, and that's all you see at the end of the episode. But it killed the Cyberman! It killed the Cyber Leader! <laughs> and it killed all the dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. yeah, so fuck him for that. But it, it was a... It was a good episode overall, just because it had the Cybermen and it had the drama and the tension. And even though I didn't like Adric, I, I didn't necessarily want to see him sacrifice himself. But it was a very noble way to get rid of Adric. Yeah. And actually give him something to do for a change and, and be noble and, well, and less they, hated. It was so well written um, because at the beginning of the story, Adric and the Doctor were were done. Adric was ready to go back home. He was. They were going to call it quits. He said, "You know what? You're not fucking giving me what you told me you'd give me. Take me back home." Take me back. And Adric says, or uh, Doctor says, "I can't take you back home." And it's it's You're tough. From space. Like it's uh, rough. Adric Adric yeah. becomes the man out of time, out of space, and you you really yeah. do feel you know for the first time a little bit of sympathy for him, and then he he becomes kind of the brave hero. And he even gets the great tagline in at the end, uh, which I can't remember right now because I've had a few too many adult beverages. But uh, but Adric goes out on a <laughs> but that right. Was he, a line. he says, "Sucks, sucks your uh, ass yeah, hard. suck my ass, Cyberman." <laughs> um, but no, he he goes out strong, which is which is great because I mean I I definitely I had a bit of a soft spot for Adric because he was a kid, I well, was course. a kid, yeah, he's the. Yeah, he was the attempt to to instead of the girl companion, and and little boys love Doctor Who. You know, it was it was the 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 time to give the the young boy viewership of Doctor Who a character to relate to that right. wasn't the Doctor, and then it kind of yeah, didn't work. It, well, and you can't because it just because when you've got somebody who is actually acting like a young boy would act, that's not cool because nobody nobody yeah that's an, nobody kind likes of young boys. Well, and that, and, and, and you know, it's, the, the Doctor's adventures are honestly just too, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's okay to take a 15-year-old girl like Rose around, um, but, you know, taking a 13-year-old boy like Adric, well, that's just irresponsible. Whoa, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as far as, like, newer episodes to introduce people, besides Blink, um, as much as I love the Doctor's wife, actually, due to the timey-wiminess of our recording, I had a chance to think, and I think The Next Doctor is a great episode to introduce people to. No companion. Doctor Who universe. No companion. Uh, You've got David Morrissey, pre-governor, explaining to the Doctor what's going on. My gosh, Mm -hmm. and he's so good. And you've got the Cybermen. And it it gives you a sense of the Doctor's history, Gives you a sense of yeah, because he thinks he's the doctor, so you get a lot of background information on the character. I would of the love to see that story with no foreknowledge whatsoever. Like there are times when I wish I could wipe my brain clean and like watch Star Wars again, or or watch. Oh, oh my gosh! Both, and and the next Doctor <laughs> would be a perfect example of that, where I would love to be able to you can just never go wipe back. out my knowledge just for uh, two hours. And watch that with clean, fresh eyes. You know, eternal sunshine. Right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, that's a good call. I like that. Um, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. And giant walking cyber king. Right, exactly. Like. Well, and it's, it's all super yeah. steampunky, too. And everybody loves steampunky. Yeah, the the lady who gets her brain ripped out because she thinks she's going to be in charge of the Cybermen, and then she doesn't get to be in charge. Nobody gets that. Uh, And you know what? we got to wrap it up. Uh, This has been absolutely awesome. Uh, You guys, this this has been a great talk. Is there anything else, uh, final kind of closing words, considering the 50th anniversary is impending upon us, uh, let's all kind of throw out some closing words. I just want to say I 50 50 years is almost too much for me to comprehend. Uh, I came into this in 1983, so it's been 30 years for me. Uh, and, and really Doctor Who has been with me all my life. And the possibility that I could be around for the 100-year anniversary is I, I can't even imagine well, where are we going to be. Well, hey, you're not going to live that trick. long. No, I'm taking care of myself now. Aside from the occasional <laughs> tasty adult beverage, I, I don't smoke. I I move sometimes out of this chair. Uh, I might make it. It could happen. Uh, but it's it's huge. Fifty years of this franchise, and not only you know it's not just fifty years. It's fifty years of continuity. From 1963, yeah. from William Hartnell, up until this coming Saturday, it's the same story. That's fucking incredible. That's that's bigger yeah. than any other media franchise there's been. Uh, and, and it humbles me. And, and I love that, that I can appreciate it. Wow. Way to, wow. Way, to, way, to mm. raise the, way to set the bar. Yeah, Bo. Bo, yeah. what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> I, I'm really excited just to be excited about Doctor Who again. Um, and, you know, and like I said, I, my favorite Doctor is, is the current Doctor. Whoever the current Doctor is, I'm just excited to watch and to, to get together with my friends and, and watch the new episode. Cause it, you know, the, the episodes are so few and far between nowadays and it seems like the seasons get shorter and shorter for some reason yeah. to me. Um, that, New Doctor Who is just so precious that that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm just looking like like you just said you you can never go back. You can never watch it again for the right. first time. So new Doctor Who is the closest that we get to that, and that's and that's to me what it is. It's getting together with fellow Whovians and that fellowship. And when something happens and everyone in the room goes, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, that that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, I think more than anything, and I'm sure that when Peter Capaldi shows up, uh, he will be my new favorite Doctor. Dana, what do you got? Oh well, I just want to say that um, you can be a slacker like me and just drop in uh, towards the last few seasons and still understand exactly what's going on and be a part of fifty years. So that's what I have to say. Happy fifty. You're uh, Doctor Who. You're just like a um, a young grandfather. Yeah, absolutely. Or- absolutely. I, I, and I want to make it clear. Um, you know, some of us on here ha- have been around for the classic stuff and, and love the classic stuff. But it, you know, if you just came in with the new stuff, that's fucking great. You're growing the franchise. You're you're part of this. You're you know, I I understand. Not everybody. Not only not everybody was around to appreciate, you know, the PBS years or whatever you want to call the classic who, 
But that's not for everybody. If you started with Christopher Eccleston, you're not going to be able to go back and look at the like cardboard crazy monsters and love them like I do because you weren't seven years old when you saw them. There, I don't feel like there should mm-hmm. be any exclusion in Doctor Who. I feel like regardless of whether you came in with Tom Baker or Matt Smith or David Tennant or Christopher Eccleston, we all love the same franchise. Uh, I, I don't dig when people are like, well, if you don't like, you know, Patrick Troughton, then you're not cool. That's fucking bullshit. Everybody yeah. loves Doctor Who, and it doesn't matter when you came in. It doesn't matter which era you appreciate the most. We're all here to enjoy the 50th anniversary. Uh, Beth, what, what, what's your sign off? <laughs> What hasn't been right. said yet? Yeah. Um, I'm not a I'm not a nerd snob. I like that there are more people than ever to talk to talk about with Doctor Who anything. Um, I like that I've got a friend. I'm going to go see the 50th anniversary special on the big screen yes. on Monday at Hollywood 24. Uh, but I also like that I can talk about my Doctor Who fanaticism with my cousin's 17 year old kid. You know, the more people who can hang out and talk about Doctor Who with me, the better. So bring it on, people. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, that's really what Doctor Who is all about. If you look at the history of Doctor Who, if you look at all the companions, if you look at everything that Doctor Who is about, it's inclusive. It's about everybody's involved in this. It's about everybody's part of the same universe. And and it's it's just it's such a tremendous time spanning generation spanning thing uh that i that i really think anybody at a different time can enjoy there there's no you don't have to love any certain part of it if you can love any part of it it's just like a popsicle just about anybody can exactly. enjoy it exactly <laughs> uh guys i want to thank you so much for coming on uh that's dana beth Bo. this has been a fantastic conversation uh i want to remind everybody that TimeGate, Earth Station Who, Needless Things are hosting uh, Doctor Who 50th Anniversary yeah. Celebration at the Holiday Inn Select in Dunwoody. Uh, we're going to watch... What? Yes. what? We're going to yes. watch the 50th Anniversary Special and we're going to record a live Earth Station Who on the spot. Whoa, exit five, 400, baby. Yes, that's baby. It exactly. No rehearsal. This is going to be straight up legit Doctor Who talk by fucking nerds. <laughs> but, uh, honestly, thank you guys so much for coming on. This has been a, has been a whole great. lot of fun. And, uh, I would like to plan to have you all back for a Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode. Oh Ooh. my God. Let's make that happen. I'm all over that. Buffy, Buffy 50th anniversary. You may have to put up with Terry for that totally. one, too, though. <laughs> Absolutely. We will make that happen. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, that's episode 14 of the Needless Things podcast. Doctor Who, 50th anniversary. Wow. And that's a wrap on another episode of the Needless Things Podcast, which you can download from iTunes and from Stitcher. Uh, I don't know what more to say. That was a great talk with a bunch of great people. Uh, I had so much fun doing that, and there really wasn't a whole lot to cut out. I had to fix the bit where we dropped out for a while, but, you know, other than that, 
man, I just listened to this thing again, and, and I really love it. I hope you guys love it, too. Uh, remember, check us out on NeedlessThingsSite.com. Uh, you can download Lay Sexoflex's album, The Naughty Contest, from LaySexoflex.com. Uh, including this track, which is called Procrastibate. Uh, you can find Beth on Needless Things every once in a while, hopefully more frequently very soon. You can find Mr. Bo Brown at various puppet functions and at the Dragon Con puppetry track, because he's the head of that thing. He takes care of it. Uh, it's his baby. Uh, you can find him at the Center for Puppetry Arts, doing various things down there. And you can find him... About a month from now, where we talk about Masters of the Universe Classics in 2013, we'll be talking about Castle Grayskull and everything else that's happened. Uh, please check out NeedlessThingsSite.com. Give us feedback. Let me know what you think. Uh, guys, that's all I've got. Tune in to Doctor Who tomorrow, 50th anniversary special. It's the big one. This is it. If you've never watched Doctor Who before, then I don't know why you just sat through two hours and 40 minutes of four nerds talking about it. But, uh, you know, as always, I love you guys. We'll see you next time. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.